From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you and welcome to the program. Thanks for waking up early in the morning, seven minutes past the hour. Well, you probably wouldn't have to guess too hard. I'll open on this Alex Murdoch decision. And as usual, I have this uncanny, I don't know, luck, timing. Uh, I did a lot of work yesterday, wrote a lot of stuff, four different pieces, did what we did here. And then I decided I'm going to just watch a movie. I'm going to just turn, turn this garbage off, all of this stuff. It's just so much of it. So I watch this movie. I get done. The second I get done, boom, right behind the movie, once you get out of that um, part of your, if you have the Xfinity, uh, what's it called, X1 platform, the TV channel that was on prior to going to the movie comes back. Well, right, I mean, the second I hit the exit button, the movie's over. I don't know about you. I don't watch the credits sometimes you know movies have surprise things at the end and stuff like that but this movie was over i hit the exit button and there it was verdict reached in murdoch trial so i thought well wait a minute i said these jurors didn't even didn't even deliberate three hours this was to me i think it's a dereliction of their duty if you have six weeks worth of testimony and, you know, there have been juries that have said, look, we just hung out for a little while. We knew, but we, we didn't want to come out too soon. I'm not saying you fake it, you, you, you know, and, and, and anything like that. But six weeks of information and you deliberate for a man's life because this is likely, I don't know what this judge is going to do this morning. The sentencing is 930 this morning. Uh, the judge, to me, uh, he looked pretty against the defense the whole trial. And look, I, I think I think Murdoch did it, but I don't think they proved that he did it. And and here's something that I also want to really um, break down. Here's here is something that I detest in the communications business. If you go on and on and on and say, what a great job Alex Murdoch did testifying, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know of a single analyst that said it was a mistake for him to do that. He opened himself up to all these other things, days of testimony, his whole uh, bad behavior and all these other areas so that people will hear you say, hey, you know, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. And if you lied about that, then you're lying about this. So I don't think he should have testified. Here's my um, compass on that kind of thing. If you're innocent, I'm not even saying not guilty. If you're innocent, you want to testify. You're chomping at the bit to testify. You want to tell that jury your story. The other side, though, is if they haven't proven your, their, their case, that you did it. You should not testify. 
Look, I know it's sometimes they, the jury goes in there and say, look, Scott didn't even testify. You know, I think he's guilty. But here's my problem with this. I have no problem that some people, if they said it was a terrible idea and here's why, or it's a great idea, he's a skillful lawyer. Honestly, Murdaugh outlawed the prosecutor who was questioning him. I'm just being honest. This guy, to me, is a scoundrel. He's unlikable. I am not defending him. What I'm defending is our legal system. And I'm not of the opinion that this worked very well. They probably got the right verdict. I think he did it. But that's not the way it goes. We live in a country where actually guilty people go free so that one innocent person doesn't get in prison. And we know we fell short you know, on that as well. Many innocent people are in prisons right now. But here's, here's, here's the part that I, I just had to turn these people off. I'm watching the same people who said what a great job he did testifying and that he was better than they were and on and on and on and on. Now they're saying what a big mistake it was that he testified. What do they think? We're stupid? Hey, fool, you said the other day just the opposite. Maybe, I don't know what it is, maybe because maybe they pop up once in a while. For me, I've got to face you every single day. So if I said go on Thursday, I can't come here on Friday and say that I said stop. You just can't do that. You have no credibility. I remember my analysis with you. I said, this is risky because I don't think they've proven their case. And why would you give, want to give them a chance? And this judge was allowing anything. You know, there are a lot of people saying there's no grounds for appeal. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, they let every I, I didn't think you could let other things come in. If he stole from his company, if he stole from other people, allegedly, but he's admitted to a lot of this. What's that have to do with whether he killed his wife and one of his sons? Now, I think he did, but I don't think they proved that he did. The closest thing, it's, and, and I think most experienced legal analysts will, will tell you, the closest this is to physical evidence is cartridge shells which match other ones that are on the property. But that still doesn't mean that he did it. They have no blood. I don't know why they didn't test certain things, blood and hair and all these different things. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for so much of this, how it went. And then the jury deliberates for less than three hours. Then to totally blow my mind, I got to listen to O.J. Simpson offer his analysis saying he doesn't understand how anyone could think he has any experience in murders. I mean, it's, I'm not like, I'm, stop it. I can't I can't take this. What are you doing to me? This is this is a punked out show, right? You got O.J. now. 
with his analysis. <laughs> it's incredible. So I don't think he should have taken the stand. That was a great gift to the prosecution. It allowed the jury to see him cry and probably think it's all fake. It allowed him to condemn himself. And just the whole nature of days of getting grilled about all kinds of things. And the judge allowed all all kinds of things to come in. Again, I don't understand what's stealing from your clients and your, because he did that too, allegedly. He confessed so many crimes, it's unbelievable. So I remember saying to you, well, look, he's confessing everything and then hoping they believe that, hey, look, this guy's just agreeing that he stole from his law firm, from the the clients. And look, there there's some despicable things here. He had a million-dollar policy on a housekeeper. Who does that? And then she dies. Nothing happened there. This lady evidently, wink, wink, fell down the stairs. And he cashes in a million dollars. There's so many things. But for, for me, I was always of the belief that's all stuff that has nothing to do with the current charges. There, you know, i give you an example. Uh, and I don't think she'll mind me talking about it because the case is over. And I'm not getting this. Margie's never discussed the case with me. This is information that came to my attention at a much later date. And in fact, I want to get the first break in. This is... This is a, an important story to share, to give you an idea how other things are not allowed to be brought in to a current allegation. I thought that I thought that's the way the law works. It did not work that way in the Murdoch trial. Now I know this looks like, oh my God, is Harry really defending this guy? Look, I know he's not popular to defend. I'm defending the process. I don't think it worked. The case was presented. The jury deliberated for five minutes. And there was a verdict. But did they really do justice here? Did the state actually prove that Murdoch killed his wife and his one son? one of his two sons. I don't think they did. I think they said a lot of things. That the cell phone and you're on the video, we think that's your voice on the video. We think, we think. I mean, I, I just, I think there could have been a jury where there would have been one or two or a few that would have said, look, I think he did it, but they didn't prove he did it. We're not, we're not voting here to put somebody in jail for the rest of their life because we think they did it, they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did it. I don't think they did. You may think that they did. And remember, I would ask you, please separate the difference between what you think because I think he did it too. But did they prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did it? 
and I'm not sure about that. Fox News commentary. A popular fast food chain in Pennsylvania has banned unaccompanied diners under 16. Good move or unfair? I'm Tommy Laren. More next. Businesses don't run on automation or algorithms alone. What powers businesses are your people and the people they serve. At Cintas, your dedicated service reps understand what you need to help you keep your employees feeling safe, comfortable, and performing their best. So your business can too. For workwear, essential cleaning products, first aid and safety supplies, and fire protection services, visit Cintas.com. Oh, I'm ready! And get ready for the workday. Food restaurants may not be known for their high-class atmosphere, but that doesn't mean diners don't deserve some peace. Well, one Chick-fil-A in Pennsylvania is cracking down on rowdy diners with a new rule. No unaccompanied patrons under 16 allowed. This location in Royersford was sick and tired of unruly youngsters running amok, making a mess, swearing, and otherwise disturbing fellow diners. They decided it was time. In a Facebook post, the restaurant explained, we are a family-friendly restaurant where this is not tolerated. The post also said management wasn't necessarily blaming parents, but encouraged them to talk to their kids about basic decency. Amen. I support this decision fully. If young people can't act with basic respect, they shouldn't be allowed through the door. It doesn't matter if it's Chick-fil-A or a five-star steakhouse. No one deserves to be rattled by someone's unruly brat kid. So sorry, not sorry. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can watch my show, Tommy Laren is Fearless at Outkick. Set the first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. If you're just tuning in, I'm Harry Hurley. This program in his 31st year, called Hurley in the Morning, is on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. Thank you very much. And we're talking about the Alex Murdaugh. I keep hearing him called Alec, but it is Alex. So I don't know. I'm going to say Alex. Alex Murdaugh. And some say Murdoch. I've never seen anything like this. I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm always um, almost like, distracted by stupid inconsistencies is he alec or alex is he murdoch or murdoch somebody tell me because i keep hearing both but i digress so all i'm not in favor of is if you don't prove your case you shouldn't vote on what you think someone did you've got to vote on the case that was presented and I, I really don't, I don't think that the state did a terrible job, but I don't think they did a great job. Six week trial, less than three hours of deliberation. That's to me, that's not that's not justice. I remember in the days of the O.J. Simpson trial, I said, we're not going to talk about this a lot here because that's what everybody's talking about. And, and our program is typically about what. No one else is talking about. Then they catch up sometimes days, weeks, months later. So I didn't talk a lot about the O.J. Simpson trial, but every once in a while I did. So when the verdict was out, I remember saying, well, you can only find someone not guilty because everybody assumed it's always hard to put yourself back to where something really was. History has this revisionary uh, component to it that is it's regrettable how the story changes and something that was completely opposite that, you know people say the exact opposite of that so I remember vividly saying this they're going to find him not guilty which is outrageous but you can only find somebody not guilty 
in that short amount of time. But a lot has changed over the past several decades. It's a very different, very different country than it was. The inherent sense of fairness that used to be in play is gone. Nobody cares about fairness. I shouldn't say no one, but few. So this six-week trial goes on and on and on and on and on. And in the course of me watching one movie, the, the jury got the case, deliberated the case, and reached a verdict. So I thought, well, isn't this spectacular? So I texted my brother. He was at an event last night, which I think I'm going to write a sidebar to that event. Not what you would think. I mean, the headliner was Palestina. I've got an article that I'm going to talk to the two people involved. And if they don't have a problem with me doing it, I've got an article that I'm really jazzed up to do. So I text the infamous Don P. Hurley that Murdoch ver, uh, jury verdict is in. I texted him as soon as I found out. So it was sometime in the dinner time hour, something like that. And then I think they read the verdict in the early 7 o'clock hour, if I remember correctly. So it's interesting. I realized I got sidetracked. Chuck Malamut and I had a conversation last night. In fact, Chuck was on the phone with me. I say, hey, Chuck, they, 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 they got a verdict in less than three hours. This is unbelievable. I said, and, and this, is, this is how things have changed. 20-some years ago, I said, they only deliberated for a couple of hours. You could only find someone innocent, not guilty in that time frame. I'm on the phone with Chuck. I say, Chuck, they, they've deliberated for less than three hours. So we just, I just knew he was going to stay on the phone with me until the, the, I think it was like four different counts or something. You had the murder of one, the murder of the other, unlawful possession of the firearm to commit a crime, unlawful possession of a second firearm to commit a crime. So I think it was four charges. And I said, Chuck, they're going to find him guilty. Uh, and I completely flipped on my logic of more than two decades ago because that's how much things have changed. I said, it's so obvious to them that they didn't even, they just, and I'll tell you what, somebody, somebody buy me a pizza. Eric's got to buy me seven. And he is, he wrote me yesterday. Uh, we won seven straight pizzas in the NFL playoffs. Whew. Hard to believe. But I know this is going to happen. There will be a juror that will come out. I, give, me, give me a window in the next 24 to 72 hours. A juror will come out and say, we didn't even need to deliberate for three hours. Because, see, I know that this is the curse that, that I'm born with. This was not acquired. I was born with this. I always know what's coming next before it happens. There's going to be a lot of attention placed. Get, get ready for it. Not just me this morning. There's going to be a lot of national attention placed on the fact that the jury only deliberated for less than three hours. See, there's a lot of reasons for that. It is unusual. I don't think it's, it's, it's proper. But... 
I guess, you know, there, there could very well be judges and attorneys that would disagree and say, look, sometimes you need to have stuff read back and you want to see testimony again and you have questions and you're deliberating and you're not, you know, and it's a close call. And so it can take days and weeks and such. I just don't think that you do the, the, the process of, you know, the judicial system uh, credit by doing that. I mean, maybe they had nothing to talk about. Any questions? Anybody have any doubt? They probably did a straw poll and everybody voted guilty. And, and I think within the, today or the next three days, you will hear from someone that will say, we didn't even need to take three hours. They'll say something along the lines of, we couldn't come back in five minutes. So we just cooled our heels and, you know, we didn't even need three hours, though. I think that's how this is going to turn out. Things that I'll remember about this, that Murdoch took the stand and he should not have. But see, I'm not one of these ones that said last week he should. Because it's very risky. Bad things can happen. You open yourself up to things you wouldn't have to. And remember, I guarantee you, the jury is going to say some of them are going to talk. Some of them won't. But they're going to say such things as that when he was crying like that, it was just hard to take. They didn't buy any of it is what I think. But still do the job. I, I honestly believe I can't say, you know, what I would do to a hypothetical but I can say what I think I would do. If I was on that jury, I would say, you know what? We got to spend more time on this. Do you want to live the rest of your life in a celebrated case that the entire media, you know how these things go. If it's little Mickey from the Little Rascals or O.J. Simpson, that's why I said demarcation line in history, everything changed during the O.J. Simpson trial. Trials used to take place. News agencies would report that someone is charged. Then the news agencies would report any um, important developments. But typically the next and only time you'd hear about it again would be after a, a verdict is reached. But that's not the way it is now. Now it is like a sport. You're watching the game. They show you the trial in real time. They never did that before. They didn't show these trials. I'm not criticizing it. I'm merely analyzing the change, the evolution of this. And now, of course, whether it's Casey Anthony or whoever, they all pack journalists get on the same thing. And they beat it to death. And when they beat that to death, they move on to the next thing. What that next thing is? We don't know yet, but I promise you it will happen. Somebody will drown their kids, uh, cut somebody's head off, some celebrated thing, trial, person. It, the next thing will come, and it will come soon. And then that's how that will be covered, second by second, drip by drip, inch by inch, day by day. And I'm not sure what we get out of this other than jurors who want to become famous and write books like that goofy uh, jackass lady 
the, the four women from the, the Georgia special grand jury. Notice somebody got to her and said, hey, lady, shut the hell up. Because as fast as she was everywhere, she was suddenly nowhere. I'll tell you the story about a trial right here in this area before the outstanding New Jersey Superior Court judge retired Michael Donio next. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And it is I, Harry Hurley, with three stories you can follow on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. I wrote a story this morning that I fell in like with, and I hope you'll read it. Al Capone, Nikki Johnson, or Nucky Johnson, rather. How can I say Nikki? I'm thinking Nikki Scarfo or something. Nucky Johnson and the Atlantic City Connection. Bayfest will return to Summer's Point. We had the exclusive yesterday, and we have the story up on the app. And movies that were filmed in or that mention Atlantic City. Back in a moment. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Severe weather in the deep south, significant snow north of Albany, New York. Here in South Jersey, we're looking at an inch plus of rain, 40 plus mile an hour wind gusts. The nastiest weather arrives tonight. Peaks of sun this morning, clouds with showers arriving this afternoon, high 46. Heavy rain and gusty winds tonight with a coastal flooding threat. Temperature rises to 54. Rain showers wrap up sometime tomorrow morning. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. It's Jesse Kelly here. Go early in the morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you, great one. Welcome back. 37 minutes past the hour. I'll just tell a short story just to give you a comparison because I kept wondering during the Murdoch trial, why were they able to bring in all these other things? And the judge kept allowing it. You know, why, why are they bringing in that he stole from his law firm, stole from clients, stole from this one, that all of it? I guess they got the, the angle because the state made the case that Murdoch had been stealing for over a decade and that it was all about to collapse so i think the storyline was something like he killed his wife or killed his child then his wife came out and saw that he he killed the child and then he killed her as well and he's been convicted of that now so you don't have to say alleged uh and that he did that to gain sympathy in the community so nobody's going to be talking about, oh, my God, he stole a million dollars, you know, or they, they killed the housekeeper, you know, although although no one ever proved that. Uh, but they killed the housekeeper uh, and took the million dollars, or he did, took the million dollars that he had insured the person for. And then she dies and he gets the million. Uh, no charges for that. No charges for the girl that got demolished in the boat crash. I mean, so many things. I'm telling you, watch this Netflix thing if you're interested in this kind of thing. Uh, on the Murdoch family. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I guess they get all that in there because they say that's the motive for doing it. But let me give you an example. Judge Michael Donio is presiding. The elegant, beautiful, lovely Margie Hurley is one of the jurors. I want to stipulate something. It's very important for me to say this. Margie is... 
just absolutely one of the most professional, fabulous, honest, just amazing people that you could ever, ever come in contact with. And whatever responsibility she's doing, whether it's her job, uh, community involvement, charity, uh, being selected to be on a jury, everything she does, she does well. And she does it the right way. So I wasn't, I can't explain why. Maybe some husbands would be, but I wasn't that curious. You know, I knew Margie was in a trial. Uh, and, but I guess I knew just from the nature of my job that she's not going to talk to me about it. And I'm not going to ask her about it. And to this day, we've never talked about that case. I know she was on it. I've talked to Donio on air about the case and the fact that Margie was on the jury. And, and he said nice things about Margie, that she did a great job and this and that. So what I'm about to share with you, I want to make it clear. I never got this from my wife because it would seem that way. Oh, he knows all this stuff. I don't know that much, but I do know this much. The person that was on trial was on trial for sexually assaulting a little boy. I don't want to take too much time on this. There's certain things I remember. He had befriended the mother and the child and bought them food and different stuff like that. And then is alleged to have sexually assaulted the child. As it turns out, the jurors never found this out until later that this particular defendant, and I don't remember the exact circumstances, but we'll just say had similar charges in the past. But they were not allowed to know that because that would prejudice the jury in this case. After all, if you knew that somebody sexually assaulted a little boy once or more in the past, how's that going to affect you hearing evidence in this case? So our system doesn't allow that kind of thing. But in the Murdoch case, I mean, anything went, anything he allegedly stole or any misgiving uh, so I think he got the short end of the stick there as well. And I know I, I know I risk having such blunt analysis about this that it looks like, oh, he really likes this Murdoch. I can't stand him. I think he's a creep. I think he looks like a creep. Uh, I've made it my business to actually learn about this family. I don't like anything that I have learned. I'm talking three generations of these people from the grandfather to the father, to the son. I'm just saying we have a system that you have to prove things, either at one standard if it's a certain charge, by a preponderance of the evidence. And that just means, uh, you know, if it's 50.1 to 49.9, yeah, preponderance of the evidence, I'm there. Or if it's beyond a reasonable doubt. In other words, can you picture that it didn't happen and you don't have to be sure that it didn't happen, but do you have reasonable doubt? And judges will always say they leave it up to you. It's really tricky. You have to decide what reasonable doubt is. But I think we all kind of know if you hear something and you're not sure, you have reasonable doubt. If you hear or see a case presented and you have no doubt, then you know, you know, you, you've crossed the threshold looking at it that way. But in one hand, 
a child sexual offender, previous conduct was not allowed to be brought in. Antonio was following the law. Great judge. Wound up becoming the chief assignment judge. One of the best we've ever had. Terrific person, too. Great athlete, great lawyer, great judge. But he wasn't going to let other stuff come in. That's not fair. And, and let me tell you something. Donio was fair, but he was also known, he was a tough judge. But he was a fair judge. Really a great judge. So you would think, hey, as a juror, wouldn't you love to know, hey, this guy that's uh, being accused of, of sexually assaulting that little boy right there, he's done this before. But you're not allowed to know that. And I know for a fact that the jurors didn't know after the fact. Just to give you an idea how one trial goes versus another. Back in a moment, when we come back, I have something I'm going to share with you that just continues to blow my mind. Look, I know the president made a decision well more than a month ago now not to go to East Palestine. But his behavior on this, even for him, is disgraceful. We'll be back. This is Early in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. 48 minutes past the hour. Wide open forum, so get ready. I'm asking you to, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Get them warmed up. Get ready to call 609-407-1450 because today's 7 o'clock hour belongs to you. That's all we've got today for Open Forum. You know my goal is at least one hour, whenever possible, two hours of Open Forum. So let's make next hour really count. It's been a big week. There's a lot to talk about. Let's do it coming up in just a little bit. 8 o'clock hour, New Jersey Senator Vince Palestina, and 9 o'clock hour, a mandatory, I have decreed it as the mayor of the morning, an official early in the morning mental health break in the 9 o'clock hour. Unless something changes and he's a late game day scratch, Don P. Hurley. Oh, and if I get permission, Don P. Hurley is one of the um, principals. If I get permission from the other principal, I'm doing an article that... I think this area will love to read. I'll get back to you on that. I'm taking it under advisement. Well, yesterday was a great day because there were only two things that Joe Biden did yesterday that I didn't like. Now, there were probably many more, but I'm aware of two that I didn't like. The first was when he laughed about the death of two boys that died from fentanyl. I'm telling you, if I'm that mom that's been pretty prominent lately, I would be flipping out on him. I would be going absolutely berserk. Now, she has demanded an apology. You're not going to get one. This is, this is a corrupt, filthy administration. You're not going to get it. But I'm, I am so sick of Joe Biden getting away with this crap. The flippant laughter about that was disgusting. The second thing that I didn't like was his comment about East Palestine. Let, let, me, let me explain something to you. 
I don't think I've ever seen a toxic, poisonous disaster where the federal government showed how little it cared. From ass clown Pete Buttigieg to the president. And I know the reason. I know the reason. Joe Biden, who, who I believe has all kinds of evidence, is his mentor, his hero, the Grand Kleagle, Robert Byrd, to all the things he said about gas stations and who owns them. And uh, I'm serious, he would say, with, with his racism, uh, his comments about African-Americans. I could go on and on and on. Uh, but this flippy-do of that he is this champion and that, that white people are horrible and everything he's flipping his script. So th- this, trust me when I tell you, if this were a minority community in a Democrat state, Joe Biden would have been there a month ago. And he still hasn't been there. I can't get over the fact that President Bush was absolutely savaged by the media for Katrina. And he actually went, promptly went. But he decided it was all flooded, a lot of problems. Uh, school bus Nagin was doing a terrible job. He's, he decided he would survey from the air and not land Air Force One. He went and got savaged. Biden hasn't even gone. And do you know there are some of the Democrat media actually defending that he's not going, that he would be a distraction? I mean, it, it's disgusting. Then, then the president can't go anywhere. Buttigieg tried to explain it away, that, that President Biden being there would be disruptive. Well, that means the president could never go anywhere. Why does he go? Why did he go to Virginia the other day? Was he disruptive there? Or would he only be disruptive where people are getting poisoned? Let me also explain to you, the workers have now come out. They're trashing the government. They're getting sick. This is serious. This poison is a serious situation. They're telling children and even adults, don't swim in the waters. Well, if it's all good, then why can't you? 3,500 fish, I think it's more. They admit to 3,500. I don't know if they counted them. Belly up, dead. This is a terrible situation. And it, it, they had to shame the Secretary of Transportation to go, and his, his, his appearance there was disastrous. By the way, have you heard the news about him? A mentee of his who was a mayor of a local town. Uh, I, I'm not going to, it's a shame. I'm, I'm telling you, I have about 20 items that I wanted to get to this hour that I haven't been able to get to. Anyhow, he's resigned his position. Uh, he's criminally charged for child pornography and other things. This, I'll tell you, this, this administration is a freak show. Remember the guy that was stealing the suitcases from the, uh, from the airport? And they let him, he did it once, and it was like, oh, you can stay, no problem. He only got fired after he got caught doing it a second time. Now they're showing him in these, these um, women's outfits from years ago. Like, evidently, allegedly, he's been doing it well before these two times. So he finally had to go. This administration is like the 
the Barnum and Bailey's oddity show. It's like a freak show. And it's all good, though. Nothing, nothing to see here. So Biden, in just some offhand remark, finally said, after he said, I've talked to everybody, I've done this, I've done that, because they're the greatest of all time, you know, even though they're the worst, and said, and I will be out there at some point. When would that be, Mr. President? At some point. When is at some point? In the second month, which is now? Uh, the third month, the 12th of never. This is what they get away with, though. And then Corrine Jean-Pierre says, oh, the president's not afraid of anything. He went, went into the war zone with no military. It, I, I, I'm telling you, what they're getting away with should be criminal. It, it is so blatantly dishonest in so many ways. And the Democrats are going crazy because President Biden will not veto this bill that um, softens the D.C. criminal code. The Democrats want him to go along with this, you see, because they're they're the party of law and order. They, They want people that commit some of the most heinous, violent crimes Instead of getting 15, 20, 25, 30 years, they want them to get two, three, and four years so they can get out real young and, and go right back into business and do it again when, when Biden and Harris were bailing out violent criminals all during the summer of love and during the campaign of 2020. How they ever believed that that was a good position to take, to hate on police and coddle criminals. I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing to me. So, of course, Biden wants to have it always. I support D.C. statehood and home rule, but I don't support some of the changes the D.C. council put forward. Uh, and so he's not because he's going to be a candidate running for reelection. Two years ago, he would have done a completely different thing. And what I'm going to ask you to do is pay very close attention because we're less than two years away from this. Biden is going to moderate. He really won't change anything he's doing, but they'll give the appearance of moderation. Things like this, for example. And then you're supposed to believe that this is some normal centrist type of presidency. It is a radical freak show. What they've been doing. Do not let them get away with lying to you over this period of time, getting four more years of power. And remember, they campaign like Ronald Reagan and they govern like George, uh, govern like George McGovern. And that, that would be, he would be conservative in the Democrat party now, uh, but was once considered very, very liberal. Uh, But they're, they're so out of control now that there's just no, um, there's no stopping them. I was sorry to see this because this is going to be a problem all over the country. 30-year mortgages have surged to 7.1%. Now, in days gone by, that would not be absolutely terrible. But a year ago, it was 3.76. So this is dramatic. 
And it, what it will do is it will keep some people from being able to buy a home, which obviously that's the American dream to own your own home. 7.1%, not good. Causation, it reflects higher treasury yields and expectations that the Federal Reserve Board will continue to raise its benchmark rate, and they're going to. I did hear the Atlanta Fed, uh, I don't know if it was the chair, but somebody on the Atlanta Fed, I think it was the chair, say that they support a 25 basis point increase, not 50. So that was good. I think they got to get out of this raising rates, though, because they're going to bring upon pain that is, um, we're, we're very fortunate. I checked the uh, value of my home two days ago, and it's actually up 0.6%. It had never gone down by more than 07 So we are not experiencing this real estate recession. TG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. 609. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. All right, let's do this. Thanks for waking up early in the morning. We have Senator Palestina exactly one hour away and then by popular demand, an all-important, official, exclusive, I think we're the only ones that do this in America, official mental health break hour coming up in hour number four, I believe, with Don P. Hurley. And then if I get permission from Don and one other individual, an article that you're all going to want to read later today. I don't know why I, I, um, I don't want to bring up the topic before I get permission, but I, I would think both of them would like this piece done. And I'm just the one to do it. And I intend to as long as I, I don't usually need clearance, but you'll understand on this one. Uh, phone lines are jammed. Let's get them uh, going right now. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Harry. How's everything? Very well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> you know, I was listening to you regarding this uh, Murdo or whatever. Yeah. I, 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 By the way, the announcer right before we came back said Murdoch. Uh, it's about 50-50. You will hear, you'll hear Murdoch, Murdoch, Murdoch. It's all over the place, George. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't know, but for me personally, I really don't pay attention too much to, I mean, the stuff that goes on with anything, with this legal analysis kind of thing on the, you know, with the TV commentators and so on. Uh, for some reason, I don't know, my mind just sort of like blanks it out. And and I... I, I uh, by the way, I join you in that because I, I know what they're capable of. They're capable of saying he did a brilliant job. He was better than the prosecution. And then starting last night at seven o'clock, the same people were saying uh, that it was a big mistake for him to testify. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I can't stand. Exactly. And then, then last night when this O.J. Simpson thing ended up getting plugged into it, I mean, that only confirmed the idiocy of it all in my mind. Let, let me, for those who did not hear my earlier comment, 
O.J. Simpson offered his analysis while also saying he didn't understand how anyone could think that he has any experience on this topic of murders. I'll tell you what, that is, you got to admit, that's almost beautiful. It's so twisted. It's so sick. It's almost beautiful. Right. And and there's no question in my mind about how you said about the uh, demarcation line of how much things have changed. You know, that the O.J. Simpson trial. It changed everything, George, not just these types of show trials. It changed everything. Right. No question about it. But anyway, the bottom line is, I just sort of like didn't. And here, here's the most, I'm not going to say embarrassing, but sort of like embarrassing in a way. I didn't even know this thing was going on until about two weeks ago, would you believe? Because a friend of mine asked me a question about it. So I had no idea that it had such national attention oh my god it was yeah it was gavel to gavel a six-week trial and less than three hours of deliberations what do you think of that every bit of it is bizarre so 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 i don't even know where to begin but when you mentioned judge donio yeah okay in the most positive way i almost like fell off of the uh the chair here you know what i mean it's like he is such a great guy but uh, I'm not no but no but everything about him in my mind from anything that I have heard, but uh, he's been a guest a couple times on John Demasi's show, and I've been drawn into uh, you know paying attention to him because I have you know been over the years everything about him just seems such a plus plus. Oh, he's fantastic, and you know it was pretty cool. He couldn't talk much while he was a judge, and to have the opportunity, I was not aware he's been on with John, but he's been on this program as well he's a terrific guest he's a great guy uh he's a well-rounded individual usually when you're a great athlete and you just have all these different skill sets it usually works out pretty well for you that you're a good lawyer first then he becomes a really good great judge actually then a great chief assignment judge just everything that he's done he's done incredibly well Okay, and, and the same thing with another guy that's a, a, a lawyer. Well, not, I mean, of course, Donia is a judge, but a lawyer, of course, you know, which is Zarek that you have on every week. I oh. mean, this is, He's to, gold to me, gold on a personal level, I just find that kind of stuff very interesting. Okay, I mean, maybe it's because after I graduated college and I got accepted to law school, I made the mistake of not going, whatever. Uh, bottom line is, I like the law interviews so much, okay, like I said, with Zarek and whenever I heard Donnie, and I'm sure that I've heard him on your show as well. Could you possibly have Donio on again shortly to discuss this particular trial? I, 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 I will. Uh, he, he, I made myself think about him when I brought up a trial where he didn't allow previous similar conduct to be brought into it, which was the correct thing to do, and a comparison to this judge – that allowed all this other stuff to come in. Uh, very uh, Maybe it's not analogous, but it, it sure seems like it is to me. And yes, the answer is yes. I have his phone number. I will call him. And we'll, I can't imagine, you know, we're friends. I can't imagine that he will say no. And I think it would be great uh, to hear from him how he thought the trial went, because I'm sure he followed it to some extent, probably a pretty significant extent. Uh, and we'll ask him how he thought the prosecution did. How did he think the defense did? What did he think about uh, Murdoch? I'm saying Murdoch because I think that's how I've heard it. Uh, people in South Carolina say it, but that name's all over the place. I never saw a name like that be pronounced five different ways. 
You think it's either Murdow, Murdoch, Murdoch. I mean, it's all over the place. Uh, yeah, that that's um, that would be. I'll call today to try to set that up. In fact, I'll let it get a little bit later this morning, and I'll send him a text asking him to come on next week. George, let me get in one more call before the break. Got to run. Have a great weekend. 609, and good suggestion, 609-407-1450, and open phone line. Caller, you're on the air. Welcome to the program. No malice. Buongiorno. That's Samori. Grazie. Faison. That's shout out. <laughs> George Donio. Greatest judge ever been. He stood when um, I was suing CRDA 30 years ago now to get relocation money uh, from Bungalow Park. And the lawyers were trying to run over me, and the judge trying to let me help my own. And I did that, and I'm a couple. And we rang them for some time, and I have copy the check now. So this is what it's about in the law, and you gotta have good, strong people, not feeble minds. And we need this now more than ever. And I want to say, Harry, seven, eight years here today, ringing with you on radio, it's been good. Amica, manner. But I want to say to the mayor and uh, to Governor Mel Murphy, we here veteran citizens. We not punks. You're not going to run over us. Now, there's information. We have suits, complaints in. So we have a horse in Betafield. So we want the information. We don't want no foolish in the mayor. And the second thing, I'm teed off here now. Governor Murphy, private prison suing him because they want to continue with contracts here. That slave catching, mayor, governor, I'm pissed. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> All right, Willie. Good. And you made me hit my uh, mark. I'm five seconds away from 15 minutes past the hour. Don't go away on the phone lines. One open phone line at 609-407-1450. Don't go away. It's the Hurley in the Morning program on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 because of you, South Jersey's number one news talk radio station. Here is my friend Sean Hannity. Your Morning Expresso starts right here. It's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. The fact that they didn't go after Hillary for deleting those emails and and using bleach bit and destroying those devices. That special treatment, that wouldn't happen to all of you listening to this program. I promise you, they actively put their thumb on the scales in 2016. Even when the FBI in early October 2016 went to Christopher Steele, said, here's a million dollars if you can corroborate your dossier, he couldn't collect because he couldn't corroborate. By the end of October, even though he couldn't corroborate it, and they used it as the bulk of information in a FISA application. And remember, it was Deputy FBI Director McCabe that said, well, if we didn't have the dossier, we wouldn't have gotten the FISA warrant. And nobody was held accountable. The Sean Hannity Show, from coast to coast, later today. I want to remind you about something that you wouldn't think could happen, but it can, and it's people can steal your home. My friend had his home stolen. 
The crime is home title theft. It's real. It's horrendous, but it's real and it's everywhere. Now, luckily, this was just a demo, but I saw how criminals all around the world target American homeowners. And that's why I protect my home with home title lock. And you need to as well. And a thief can simply forge your signature on a legal document claiming you sold your home to them. Homeowners insurance and common identity theft programs do not protect you but Home Title Lock does. They want to give you an absolutely free, no obligation uh, verification that your home is still in your name. You register for 30 days of protection for free. Just go to HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Sean, an absolutely free, no obligation. That's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I thank you very much. 20 minutes past the hour. One open phone line, 609-407-1450. You're on deck. Hang in there. You are up. Welcome to the Hurley in the Morning program. Yeah, Harry, great show so far as always. I just wanted to bring up, I find it really difficult to uh, uh, that a man who lost a son and another son who had a drug problem, that our president was able to laugh at that woman about to the one who lost her two sons to overdoses and then say that the drugs weren't brought under his administration, that it was Trump's administration. Ah, ah, hold on, Andrea. Now, you, this is why I love my job, because you made what I said, you said what I said better. Because I erred. I am aware of that comment, but I did not say that last hour during my monologue. That is an important thing for our listeners to understand. While he was not empathizing with those who have died of fentanyl, and it is, it is a raging epidemic. It is such a serious problem. This administration blames Trump for everything. He actually thinks he can sidestep any and everything by saying that this occurred under the previous administration what a liar he is what and what a what a despicable contemptible thing to say back to you andrea congratulations for that for that astute comment well because he's 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 been through both of those things and it has you know and and you know what we are forgiving people you know i thought you know i could see if my brother died of brain cancer i might go off the edge and become a drug addict I, we don't know i have god knock on wood i haven't been through that but she's experienced both you think he would have empathized with her that's all i have to say yes Thank yeah, you. but he's an he's an animal he's a creature he's a political scoundrel you you would think he would be and andrea i thank you for the call you would think he would be the perfect one to say look i know i know about addiction and he could have been see trump got no credit for being consoler in chief it's not his best attribute just being honest but this biden is the worst he is terrible I thought Obama was bad because Obama, if he was at your funeral, he would talk about himself. Pay no attention to that man in the casket. This is about me, Barry. I'm here. I mean, he was awful. And that's a true story, actually, from someone who knew him that said at a funeral, Obama talked about himself. And that's just, he can't help it. It's That's narcissism 
on steroids times infinity. He just can't help it. To quote Ma Richards, he can't help it. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Just look at the scorecard, though. Look at these people that come in with nothing. Maybe they own a home and have next to nothing beyond that. And now they're tens of millionaires on their way to becoming billionaires. It's fantastic, isn't it? Hunter Biden spits ink through a straw, 500000 a sheet. I don't even know if he buys canvases. He could just do it on eight and a half uh, by 11 uh, copy paper, just spit ink on paper. You know, when you look at all the things that they do, this crime wave, and I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I want to believe that someday it's going to matter. I just don't know. I mean, you have the, um, the Garland uh, Justice Department slow walking all of it. They leak everything about Trump, nothing about the Bidens. How's this guy under investigation for five years? Nothing. Spits ink on paper and gets 500000 a pop. And they say the best way to be transparent is to hide the people who have purchased it. They actually said that. Corinne Jean-Pierre said we, that, that we made a decision that the most transparent thing that we can do is to keep the buyers of Hunter Biden's artwork anonymous. Now, now in what world other than Bizarro world is keeping something secret transparent? The exact opposite of what it is. It's no, no, lady. Hey, lady. It's not transparent. It's exactly the opposite of transparent. Hiding information. But yeah, he he could be on the topic of addiction, drugs, whatever. He could be a phenomenal consoler in chief, but he doesn't have it in him. He doesn't have it in him because he doesn't care. I didn't used to believe that when I heard people say that, but it's true. I, I it, it took me a while because I give people even people that I don't care for their their work, I give them the benefit of the doubt for a long time. But I've heard people say he doesn't care. Prove to me you care about East Palestine. The workers are getting sick. The residents are getting sick. There's poison in their water, in their air, in their community. And the president hasn't even gone. And now because he's getting absolutely just flooded with criticism, says at some point, I'll be there. Doesn't even say, I'm absolutely going. I'll be going next week. I'll be going tomorrow. I'll be there at some point. That is an exact quote. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. It's a great day in Brigantine, Harry. Thank you. Uh, I have three things, but I probably won't get to them all. So let's start with the biggest one. Did you see this interview that Monica Crowley did about uh, COVID and Ukraine and China and her her um, speculation that makes a whole lot of sense? Did you see that? I didn't see it all, but I am uh, I could pass the test. I could get a B plus. I'm, I am familiar with it. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, let, let's go through this and then let's see if Andy's wearing a tinfoil hat at the end of this. Okay. 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 So we we know that Anthony Fauci funded gain-of-function research. That's not even up for speculation. Well, he denies it, so they they want to make it. It's just like there's no consensus about COVID origination being at that Wuhan Institute of Virology. They say there's no consensus. Therefore, they get away with making it look like 
it just we don't know. It could maybe and maybe and you know Fauci actually the next day came out and said that um, there's no evidence whatsoever, and then he he steered everything towards all the evidence says that it was natural origin, which we know is not true. Go ahead. Well, well, Dr. Martin McCary has been a rock star, and he said you'd have to be a moron to not think that this came out of the Wuhan lab at this point. Well, you're either a moron or a um, conflicted liar. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's so we let's let's establish because this is all speculation, but it'll make sense at the end. So let me go through this. Okay. So we know Fauci funded gain of function research. We know that the United States was doing bioweapons research and doing it in Ukraine because by law we couldn't do it in this country. Correct. Correct. Okay. Now, Putin, here's the speculation. Putin didn't like bioweapons research going on on his border. Who would? Which is one of the reasons why he invaded Ukraine. Vladimir Zelensky knows that this bioweapons research was going on in Ukraine. Okay? Now, the speculation is that this COVID was created at this bioweapons lab in Ukraine, and then it was brought to China, where it was intentionally released from the lab, okay? And the reason that Zelensky is getting all this money and all everything he wants is because basically he's blackmailing Biden that either you help me and you give me what I want, or I let this big secret out that, that it was actually the United States who created this plague in the, in the Ukraine lab, and then it was brought to China. Because, see, they can't have it that it was China who did it and, or that it was Ukraine that did it. Because imagine if Ukraine had released this. Do you think we'd be helping them now? No. So it had to come from China. So it comes out of China. So now Ukraine is clean in all of this, even though Zelensky knows it's going on. But, but the speculation that Zelensky is now blackmailing Biden, where he's going to let this secret out, that, that, it, that it came from us. We could. But let me uh, uh, think about this during the break, because a lot of this I can absolutely buy into. Some of it I'm a little bit unsure. Like, I don't know. I know that there was the weapons lab uh, chemical weapons lab and biological weapons lab in Ukraine. That That's established as a fact. The government actually has confirmed that. And actually, um, Putin hit that lab uh, during some of the uh, indiscriminate bombing that was going on. The thing I don't know how Zelensky can blackmail Biden is if it if it originated in Ukraine, Trump was president when the virus hit, not Biden. That would be easy for Biden to accept. This happened on my predecessor's watch. You know, I'm left to fix it and handle it like a lot of other problems. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe what I just said. I'm saying what Lion Joe would say. So that I'm not moved by that, Andy. You, 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 you've got to, you know, I'm a persuadable person when I hear something that makes sense. What now, if you said that Vladimir Zelensky can blackmail Biden on Biden's activities, with getting that prosecutor fired that was investigating his son and all of that, then um, I'm, I'm the conductor of the train and I got a new hat 
that I'm tipping to you on that. But Zelensky can't blackmail Biden on COVID-19 origin in Ukraine because that predates Biden's presidency. So uh, school me on that when we come back. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. Harry Hurley, 31 minutes past the hour. Three stories you can follow right now on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Al Capone, Nucky Johnson, and the Atlantic City Connection. And I promise you, there is one, and I've got it. And I don't even just mean when Al Capone and the other gangsters walked on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. Read my story. It's a really good story. Bayfest will return to Summers Point. Awesome. And movies that were filmed in or that talk about Atlantic City. We've got it all and more. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. All's quiet this morning, but our weather will go downhill later today. Here's how our next storm system will play out. Peaks of sun this morning, clouds with showers arriving slowly this afternoon, high 46. And then tonight, the worst of the worst, heavy rain, gusty winds, coastal flooding concerns. Our temperature rises to 54. Rain showers wrap up tomorrow morning, then mostly cloudy and still windy will settle around 50. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. For complete contest rules, visit WPGTalkRadio.com. So when we last left you, we were talking with Andy of Brigantine, who confirmed that it is a great day in the city of Brigantine Beach. Uh, and then he went on to float the Monica Crowley theory of COVID-19 and a whole lot of other stuff that he hasn't had a chance yet to uh, get into because I am aware of what Monica Crowley said. Now, I I, I don't want to interrupt because it's, it's a frustrating thing. You're trying to make a point, you get interrupted. But just answer this one thing, then, then you'll do your whole narrative. I won't interrupt you. And then if I have any questions, I'll say them at the end. But what about if COVID-19, if the origin was in the, in Ukraine, and not in the Wuhan lab, because I believe it, it was in the Wuhan lab. I also don't believe uh, that China got it from Ukraine and purposely unleashed it to the world. Uh, I believe it got out of the lab by accident. And then China was not going to let itself be destroyed. And then purposely then just through normal travel, didn't have to do anything spectacular, uh, let the world get infected so they they did intentionally infect the world no doubt in my mind but i believe it happened first as an accident because they got it first they had people dying first and then they knew what that meant if if the world quarantined and shut them down and stopped doing business with them and all of that that china would have been absolutely demolished so this way they spread the misery around the entire world but I'm going to say for the purposes of this debate, so it happened in Ukraine, even though I don't think it did. I think they are doing things in that lab, but I don't think that happened that way. But even if it did, you're right. It did. She's right. It did. How would Joe Biden be blackmailed by something that predates his presidency? Well, I say I'm, I say Joe Biden being blackmailed. It, because it's his administration right now. But, right, but but he that has but Andy, you're a smart guy. That's an easy one. That's a meatball. He just has to say if it happened in Ukraine, 
uh, it was in the previous administration. I mean, the calendar you, you, supports that. So he, he has no – there's no blackmail to him. He wouldn't get blamed for that now. Uh, so I don't get that. That's all I'm trying to say. I don't get it. All right. Well, let me let me let me keep going here, okay. and then maybe you yeah. will. Okay. Okay. So, um, if you think about why what they did because of COVID, why COVID was necessary, and I use that in quotes, they had to get rid of Trump. They had to make sure Trump didn't win in 2020. So. We know how they used COVID to shut down the economy to kill Trump's chances, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying Biden, but if Biden's aware of this, if this was some kind of concocted plan with the Democrats, maybe this was part of the insurance policy that they spoke about. You know, uh, well, Here's what I would say to that. They're not involved. I believe they're capable of almost anything. They're not involved but they exploit a crisis to their maximum advantage every single time. That's why Anita Dunn felt so comfortable saying that um, uh, COVID-19 is the best thing that's ever happened for Joe Biden. Uh, It's disgusting. These people are disgusting. They're not involved in it at that level in my estimation, although we did fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology for use of gain function, but they... They will exploit children being shot in school. They immediately go to try to take the guns, even though that's not that's not the um, the causation. It's the person that did it. They, if every gun in America was illegal, there would still be mass shootings. They would get them. They would get them illegally. So they know this, but it's about control and it's about their radical agenda. So, again, I don't look at it that way, except to say that they exploited it to change the voting laws, uh, to make it that Biden could be the basement-dwelling candidate, the the trogulodite under subterranean candidate, and all of that. Please continue. Okay. Well, let's just suppose, what what do you think would happen if it got out that the United States created this virus in Ukraine and then it was brought to China and it, and it was released there, like that the, that the U.S. was somehow complicit in creating this thing. If that got out, what do you think? So it's not like specifically Biden being blackmailed, but got it. the Biden administration can't let, couldn't let something like that get out, that, that we were somehow complicit in creating this thing. Well, I think they could. I think they could do it to finish off Trump. I mean, I, you and I have a, a, a massive split decision here, Andy, on almost every single thing you're saying. It's unusual. Uh, no, that would Biden would use the hell out of that. That would be a gift from heaven or from Hades uh, for him. I think it happened in Wuhan. It got out by mistake. They were definitely developing it for a, for a biological weapon to use it someday. It got out. It got completely out of control because of how fast, especially the initial variants were. People forget Alpha, Delta. Oh, my God. They were they were demolishing people, the early um, variants, the people that that got sick, that worked in the lab. That's all documented. Then it got all over the place in China. Then they said, "Uh oh, we now have to let this just get everywhere around the world. So we'll limit things on our end. 
but we'll continue to allow free travel from everywhere to here. See, some people think they sent out Manchurian bots, you know, humans that they infected with COVID-19 and just sent them to every country around the world. Didn't have to do it. Just the natural capitalist world that we live in, China allowed the entire world to be infected because we could have taken precautions. We would have stopped. Even Remember, Trump was trashed when he stopped the planes coming in from China. The Democrats trashed him for that. So everything you're saying, I'm saying Biden could use to his advantage. Harry, just because it happened while Trump was president, it doesn't mean that Trump was involved. This is my point. I know he wasn't, but that but that but here's my point. They will simply blame it on him. I understand that. But what I, what we we really don't disagree. Just let me let me conclude this. Go ahead. If 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 it gets out that that that, 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 that this was somehow a a democrat scheme concocted, you know, to, to keep Trump from winning in 2020, then that's the secret. The fact that it happened while Trump was president, that's fine. They could say, oh, this happened while Trump was president. He did it. But the secret part of it is the fact that Trump had nothing to do with it, that the Democrats were aware of it, that it was going on, and that 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 they then used this thing to keep Trump from winning in 2020. Well, now that I all agree with, except if you're going this far. I agree with all of that, except if you are saying that the Democrats purposely participated in unleashing a deadly virus on the world that killed tens of millions of people, tens of millions of Americans. Uh, I say no to that. Uh, They I say they took advantage of it after the fact. However, it is accurate to say that your Democrat intelligentsia the Fauci's and, and all the beautiful people, they knew that they were funding the uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I think we still are, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and Fauci denying that it could have even happened in that lab is disgusting. And he's still lying about that. So I, I, I think the only difference we have is if you think the Democrats actually purposely unleashed this on the world to take Trump out as president, I can't go that far. Are they capable of exploiting it in every dishonest way possible? Yes. What do you say to that comment? Harry, Harry, it doesn't, when I say the Democrats, it doesn't have to be Adam Schiff or, 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 or you know, or anybody like that. When I, when I say the Democrats, it can, it can simply just be the deep state, the permanent Washington class, who is doing everything on behalf of the left. Do you, do you follow me? Oh, I follow you completely. And and look, there's no doubt in my mind that Fauci's lying. And anybody that has studied the COVID-19 virus knows that nothing that happened of natural origin, like they have this thing, uh, uh, the wet market and the bats, uh, it, it didn't happen that way. Believe it or not, last week they floated that it was a hedgehog. I can't believe three years later we found Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, did it, collecting rings along the way. I mean, it's absolutely just poppycock. But this much I do know. They defended China 
and trashed the American people. The American people were telling the truth. We got trashed while they defended China, and we ought to investigate why did they do that? Why do they continue to defend China? And this is where I believe because Biden is compromised. Harry, COVID had to happen just like January 6th had to happen and for the same reasons. Do you follow me? I do. I just think they exploited something. I know it seems like the timing is, oh, my God, it's just fantastical because you couldn't have better timing. I guess you could have had better timing because Trump did have the opportunity uh, to implement Operation Warp Speed. Now, we know we know how hyperpolitical this was because the the even the um, the companies with the vaccine, they let the election take place before they confirmed the success of the vaccines and that they were ready to go and this, you know, this kind of thing. So it was it was so close to what you're saying that I don't know why I'm torturing the English language. It's just there's certain areas I can't cross without having you know more information, uh, such as I don't know enough about this Ukraine weapons lab other than it did exist. No doubt about it. And probably still does because there was the concern that that could obviously, if if it got attacked, could could spread, uh, you know, through through all of Europe and then ultimately to here again. And who knows what they've got in that thing. And the fact that I've always known that this was man-made, that it's a biological weapon and everybody that's analyzed it. Who's the man with the um, the the white beard, uh, the the, the uh, science guy that was under Fauci? Redmond, 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 right? Robert Redfield. Redfield. Okay, so we did it again between the two of us. We got there, and I've got to go to the break, so I've got to go. Redfield has maintained for the longest time that it was man-made, and again, most likely, they're always careful, most likely out of that Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, of course, Fauci, to this day, because he would be utterly, he's already disgraced, but he would be utterly destroyed If this comes out that I think what Biden's trying to do is get away with it being ambiguous. In other words, now, if you believe it was the weapons lab, you're no longer a kook. And and Andy, you're not wearing a tinfoil hat. It's 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 too far for me to buy into some of it, but it's not tinfoil hat. And they're so completely dishonest and corruptible that it's not hard to disbelieve anything and to believe that they are capable of anything. So I, I, I give them still a little more rope than than many people do. And ultimately to hang themselves. And they will. But they're trying to make this that there's like Kirby, this um, congenital liar. He's an elegant liar, I have to say. Unlike Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, who's just horrible. Kirby said there's no consensus consensus in our government right now. But that's a far departure from defending China and that it was, you know, natural origin, not out of the lab. So we're going to get there. At some point, it will be generally accepted that this happened the way that we know that it happened. They're trying to hold on. And then Fauci will be utterly disgraced. So you said at the end, would I say that you're wearing a tinfoil hat? No. Reynolds Rap just texted me and they want their tinfoil back because you don't need it on this one. 
But the Ukraine thing is too sketchy. And for whatever reason, I have settled in my own mind that it got out of the lab in China by accident. And then they purposely allowed the entire world to be infected. So what I want is all the farms that they have purchased, uh, all of the property that they own in America, uh, all of the police stations that they're opening up in America. Believe it or not, nobody wants to hear this, but China actually has their own police stations in America. It sounds crazy, but I'm telling you it's true. Uh, And any money that we owe them, I want the official policy of the United States government to be that we're taking back any land that you have here in America. It's ours again. And we owe you nothing now. All debt is settled. And that is the reparations for China killing. This is why we have to find them guilty as charged. They need a Murdoch trial. They got to be found guilty in three hours. And I won't rest until that day comes. And I don't know who's going to have the um the the courage to do it it won't be joe biden because i believe joe biden can be destroyed by ukraine by china in five minutes if they come forward and show the direct deposits to the biden family syndicate from china from ukraine let me put russia in there while we're at it does anybody i don't believe in coincidences does anybody believe that everywhere that is blowing up right now china Russia, Ukraine, that those are all the countries. There are also many more, but these are the main countries. The mayor of Moscow's wife, $2 million in a wire transfer, might be $3 million to Hunter Biden. What's that for? Uh, we know what happened in Ukraine when he got the prosecutor that was investigating Hunter Biden fired, or they weren't going to get a couple of billion, whatever it was. And I believe China has the goods as well with all those companies that uh, that we're paying Hunter Biden 83,000 a month and all kinds of things. But everywhere that's a hot button issue right now, the Biden family got paid from them. I say that is not a coincidence. We'll be back. Life is hectic here in South Jersey, but one thing you don't have to worry about is missing the information you need while you're running around doing a zillion things. That's why WPG Talk Radio 95.5 brings you everything you need to know in six minutes at the top of every hour. National headlines from Fox News Radio, South Jersey News, and your local AccuWeather forecast all in six minutes. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 who works there she appears on um uh, uh tucker a lot a very thick accent but i mean she's been here a couple of years now and she worked in that lab in china and what she believed she was saying the other night on tucker that she felt that um it got out of wuhan it wasn't intended for those people to be to die in wuhan those scientists there that, and, that's what i believe and it got it got out yeah there and, and then once I got out there, then China made the calculated decision to infect the entire world. But it wasn't complicated. They just allowed it to happen by not coming clean. And then they would continue to con- contribute to the WHO, which they just recently gave another million to. And remember, who, 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 that's who, they keep defending China. It is corrupt as hell, Linda. She said it was on purpose. It was destined. Well, it was it was on purpose once they accidentally infected themselves. 
WBCG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. Don't want to, I have to. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is six minutes past the hour. Thank you for waking up Hurley in the Morning, and I'm very pleased to report that Senator Palestina is here, and this is our monthly, it's very easy to follow because the first Friday of every month, we visit with New Jersey Senator Vince Palestina. This is Senator Palestina's regular monthly program presented by Palestina and Associates, a highly regarded, long-standing local-based engineering firm. Welcome to your program, Senator Palestina. Good morning. Uh, thanks. Good morning, Harry. How are you this morning? I'm very, very well. Now, I have it from uh, very, very uh, well-placed sources, uh, some even that share identical DNA with me, that last night at uh, Smithville Inn was a very special evening. Yeah, it was. It was uh, great to have Don there, of course, uh, doing the pictures for us. Uh, it was a, you know, a great event. We had a fundraiser from 5 to 6, and then the official kickoff of uh, Don Guardian, Claire Swift, and I at 6 o'clock, and a tremendous event. place was packed, a lot of energy, and really looking forward to getting the campaign going and uh, hopefully winning again this year in 2023. Words that I heard last about last night, um, well attended, high energy, a lot of focus, a lot of enthusiasm, uh, really a lot of positive energy. The vibe that I and, and again, you know me when I'm somewhere, I describe it like like John Madden with the Telestrator. When I'm not somewhere, I interview as many people as I can and I find out what happened. And the only reason I wasn't there is because. I get no sleep, and if I was there, I would have had even less than no sleep. The only reason I wasn't there, you know you have my support. Um, So having said that, uh, all of that comes from the seeds that have been planted, the success, the track record, the wins, uh, even the converts that are now happening on what seems to be a regular basis, party switchers coming from one side over to the Republican side. There is a really good atmosphere at the moment, isn't there? For the Atlanta County Republicans, there absolutely is, Harry. And that was one of the things I mentioned last night. You know, uh, the, when you look at the registrations, of course, uh, Democrats have had an advantage. They still have an advantage, but they were gaining registrations for a number of years here in Atlanta County and in New Jersey. That has reversed to the point where now Republicans, when you get the uh, updated reports, Republicans are gaining uh, registrations. Democrats are losing registration. So even from when we ran in 2021, We've seen a pretty significant shift in races like this from Democrat to Republican registration. And, you know, that energy hopefully plays out this year and uh, allows us to do even better. You know, it was a tight race in 2021. We're hoping to do better this year. We'll see who the candidates are on the other side. Um, But so far, you know, it's March 3rd and petitions are due March 27th. And we're not hearing a whole lot. So hopefully that, you know, speaks to the fact that we have done the job for Atlantic County. We have gotten things done for Atlantic County. And 
you know, whether you're a Republican or Democrat here, you recognize it. And so there's nobody really, you know, running out to try to run against us at this point, which uh, hopefully speaks volumes to the job that we have done. Fair observation, because usually we would definitely hear names. We hear nothing. They're going to have their usual scurrying. And while we have sometimes even contested types of uh, situations, they, they have to really work just to get people to say yes it's like they don't even have to work for it on our side you have to work for it there it's like will you just will will you run we don't have anybody will you run i mean that's honestly the environment right now they're they're definitely uh there's a downturn right now no 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 slight against their party just just analyzing what is uh, you know in a world that is living like it isn't sometimes at the present time palestina guardian and swift in terms of promises made versus promises kept you're now in a re-election year because it comes around so quick on the two-year cycle. Even the Senate is on the two-year cycle uh, in the previous election cycle. Now you'll be running for a four-year term. This is a very important election, isn't it, from that vantage point? Because this decision now is for twice as long at the Senate level as the previous election. You know, the voters could say, all right, it was Palestina, Mazio. Yeah, I'm going with Palestina. I don't know how many knew they were voting for a two-year term, but some of them did. And now it's a four-year term. It's even, I think the stakes are even bigger. And so talk about that, but also in terms of promises made, promises kept, Palestina, Guardian, and Swift, how can you respond to the voters right now about your record? Well, in terms of the things we said we would do, we have done every single one of them. Of course, the focus, you know, for us in the campaign in 2021 and since we were elected was the focus on Atlantic County, focus on what was best for Atlantic County, uh, develop relationships that was going to benefit Atlantic County. And when you look at the things we have gotten done with the prosecutor, with the judges, two new administrative law judges nominated, people on all these boards, getting stock in the most money in history, getting the next building at the research park, funded focusing on Atlantic City with the clean, safe and well lit initiatives. Everything that we had said we were going to do in twenty twenty one, we have done. And so, you know, we haven't focused on the politics. We've done what we thought was right for Atlantic County, whether it was voting for the budget or recently, you know, voting in favor of temporary workers. I think when you look at, you know, Atlantic County and Atlantic County Republicans, we focus on workers' rights. We focus on anyone who wants to get up every day and work hard on the table for their families. We focus on, you know, our educational system. We focus on making sure we get parents involved in their children's education, their children's lives. And so everything that we thought was important in 2021, I think if you look at the last uh, 14 or 16 months here, Everything we said we were going to do, we had done. And, uh, you know, we had developed relationships. They're going to benefit Atlanta County uh, for years to come if we are successful this year. And, of course, as you said it, you know, this one is a absolutely critical election. You take nothing for granted. That's why we have elections. Uh, and the first re-election is always the toughest. And yep. so I really hope, you know, it was a tight race in 2021. I hope the voters respond this year and everybody gets out there because I would like to see, you know, not only a victory, but I'd like to see the people respond to understand that we have done the job and, and want us to go back and continue to do it. By the way, I like that you're saying that because that's your nature. You work hard. You take nothing for granted. Uh, you don't assume anything. You don't assume that people even know that you're doing a great job. You, you know, you have to you have to earn it every day. I'm not going to push back on something, but I want I want to add a little bit of context. 
it was relatively close. It wasn't razor thin. Mazio, um, early the night of the election, conceded. Uh, the winners were not in doubt. It wasn't like Ron DeSantis in Florida winning by, you know, one-tenth of one percent and, and an automatic exit was 0.1 percent. A tenth would have been a landslide, 0.1 uh, percent uh, of the vote and, and an automatic recount that was put in place. I, I want to say, especially considering everything, uh, you were running against an incumbent, uh, and I, I, I considered it a really great win and a definitive win. I don't remember exactly if it was 52-48 or 51-49. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't razor thin. But I like the way you say it was a close election because you're you're indicating to voters listening right now that every vote counts and that, you know, you just don't ever take for granted that it's automatic because voters decide these things. But you did have I mean, I'm only pressing this. It might even seem like, why am I pressing this? I'm pressing this to point out that it was a I thought it was a comfortable win. I called it early that night when I saw the, the results come in. I don't think we had to wait for the mail-in ballots and things like that. Uh, it was close, relatively close, but still comfortable. Do you agree with that? Or or do you stick with, you know, that it was closer <clears throat> than I'm saying? It was 52-48. So, yeah. I mean, you're right about that, four points. I mean, it wasn't a situation where we were going long into the night to yeah. try to determine the winner. You know, as soon as we started adding up uh, Atlantic City, we knew we had won. Yeah. So, from that standpoint, you're absolutely right. It wasn't... I mean, you beat you beat an incumbent like Governor Christie beat uh, incumbent John Corzine. You win 52-48. That's a good win. You know, we're a divided country right now. A four-point win is a good win. It's a comfortable win. And I don't know anybody who wouldn't take that every time. <laughs> win is a win, Harry. Yeah. 50% plus one, you yeah. win. But, yeah, so you're absolutely right from that standpoint. But nevertheless, you know, it's still we have had the most competitive district in yep. the state of New Jersey for the last 50 years. And so you have to recognize that and make sure you're, you're running appropriately because even despite that win, I think Don and Claire even won bigger than me. Uh, so we had a very good victory in 2021. We still have the most competitive district in the state of New Jersey. And so that's how you have to... You know, that's the mindset you have to have going into it. No, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, you're visiting with New Jersey Senator Vince Palestina at 16 minutes past the hour. When we come back, because, again, I don't want to leave anything to just assumption. The question on the floor right now for you to talk about when we come back is the working relationship that you have with Assembly members Guardian and Swift. In other words, the second district team of the senator and the two assembly members how well do you work together? And I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back and much more. With Senator Vince Palestina, I am respectfully yours. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. I don't think it's a hard question, but I think it's an important question. For listeners, for voters to have, you know, the context and, and to hear from their senator talk about the working relationship of the senator from the second legislative district and the two members of the assembly. Because, look, sometimes we've had a senator of one party, 
two, two members of the other party in the assembly, sometimes one and one. Uh, and then you have, you know, the separate offices and these things. Uh, but that's not the case right now. This is a very um, well-oiled, this is a very focused and successful legislative team. And I want to give our listeners the opportunity, Senator, to hear you talk about, I mean, you got the ticket you wanted, the entire ticket won, and then you got in there and you went to work. And it seems to me, as one of your constituents, that this is a very effective team that you like one another. You and I both know you take 80 assemblymen and uh, 40 senators, and I guarantee you there are districts where people of the same party, they can't stand each other. They, they don't say it out loud because they just keep going like this. But you guys, from everything I can see, like one another, respect one another, and work very well together. How would you describe uh, the, the legislative team? I would say that that is 1,000% accurate, Harry. Um, you know, you don't know when you get into these things. And, of course, as you said, it, I, you know, I kind of picked the ticket. Don, Don Guardian and I were running against each other for a matter of, like, two days. And then, uh, you know, that flipped. And I, of course, asked Claire to run. And so but you never know. You never know if there's going to be, like, different competing interests or you're not going to get along. Uh, we have just, from the start, from, like, the first time we met as a team after we got through the convention, we have been on the same page. We have been working so well together. We have the best legislative team in the entire state of New Jersey, bar none. The way we work together, the way we have developed that office. You know, we made the commitment again to open the Atlantic City office, and we had the Atlantic City office open and the one in EHT. Have a great staff. You know, one of the things I mentioned uh, at the Ronald Reagan night, you know, one of Ronald Reagan's big things was hire competent people that can do the job and get out of the way. And we have developed such a great staff. Uh, led by Joe Berg, our chief of staff, and then Nick Boucher and Brett Barbin and, and Sarah and Michelle and everybody, Joy, and everybody, Mike, that's in the office, you know, goes to work every day focused on trying to help people that need help. And it's funny because, uh, again, this week uh, there was a, a basket delivered to one of the employees from Mazio's because they helped somebody out. And so it's funny <laughs> that we get uh, uh-huh. people buying stuff from, uh, from Mazio's uh, produce and sending it over because they are helping people every single day. And so I think from every facet of our team with Don and Claire to this, to everybody that works there, I couldn't have asked for anything more. Honestly, I would not want to run with anyone else. Uh, They are both absolutely fabulous, do a great job in their own way. You know, Claire being a former deputy attorney general with a law enforcement background and Don being the former mayor of AC and, you know, just a fabulous humanitarian, um, absolutely great speaker doing a great job people love him it's just been a really really good team and you know one of the reasons why i look so forward to being able to run with them again because you don't always get this as you said and there are many districts in this state where even even if they're all the same party district mates don't like each other which is unfortunate Um, and just makes us reflect on the fact that we have it so good in district two how are things going relative to obviously during the pandemic uh, departments at the state level shut down. People couldn't reach anyone. If you had uh, a, a motor vehicle issue or some payment issue, anything that would involve uh, the state, it became such a um, a crisis. And and it, it would you would need your state senator or your your senate assembly office because you had no chance. You had no way to reach anyone. 
How are things going relative to all of that stuff? Are we back to some semblance of normal or is it still uh, a big um, time allocation for your office to help people through this labyrinth of, you know, not being able to reach who they need to reach? It's better. Uh, certainly, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, it was worse than it is now, which is one of the reasons I was so aggravated when uh, Steve Sweeney made the decision to lock me out of the office because people needed help. And I just, not any elected official, why would you deny people the ability to get help when they need help? It was terrible. So that's why it's terrible. That's why I was so aggravated with it. But it, so it's better, Harry, but it, they still don't answer the phone. I think there was a, just a article that came out in one of the uh, statewide newspapers they called like 35 offices and i think they got like two to pick up you know we just we're going through with the anchor program you know people were trying to call and get pins and couldn't do it and so we were trying to get the outreach done to let people know they can call our office and we'll help them with it uh, so it's still not back to the way it should be where state offices are picking up the phone and helping people you still have to rely on the legislative office but you know that's what we're there for we're happy to do it anyone who needs help again you know 609-677-8266 is the phone number we're happy to help state issue county issue local issue that's what we're there to do every day and so we'll do it um, but it is unfortunate that from the state perspective, they still are not in a position where they even pick up the phone and get some get a live person on the other end. So people who are calling in can get the help they need. Senator Palestina is our guest. We have time for one more question before the halftime break. Then after the halftime break, it's definitely on my mind. It's definitely on my list of topics for Senator Palestina. I know what he has been doing uh, at his level relative to these windmills Uh we just I, I just think that we need to um, we need to take a look at this. We can't just keep saying, no, it's not them. And, and now the 24th whale has watched washed up and 13 or 14 of them are right here close to us uh, out of the 24 that are washing up in South Jersey. Most of them, the majority of them right here in our area very, or very close to us. Then you have the fifth or sixth dolphin. I mean, I just don't recall whales washing up on a regular basis. So I, I haven't gone as far as to say that it's these behemoth windmills as tall as the uh, Empire State Building, as Van Drew describes them. But I, I at least want to say it could be that. It could be the mapping and the explosions and, you know, at the floor of the ocean and everything that's going on. It's so ironic that Republicans are now the environmentalists and the ones that would, if they saw sludge of an amoeba, you'd have to stop your your developmental project. But there's just nothing to see here. You know, uh, carry on. Nothing to see here. It can't. They're they're actually definitively saying that it can't be this. Which I don't know how they can say that. So I want to talk about that uh, after the break. But it, but a, a topic right before we get to the bottom of the hour break with Senator Palestina. We talked about promises made versus promises kept. Uh, it sounds like, again, with the, um, the, the premise of taking nothing for granted and total respect to the voters who will decide whether they will rehire or if they will fire, uh, in terms of promises made, promises kept, you feel very good so far at this point, don't you? I do feel very good, Harry. I mean, I think if you uh, look at what we said we were going to do, we absolutely have done that. You know, we focused on Atlantic County. And, and like I said earlier, you know, 
whether you're talking about uh, helping develop the aviation industry out at the airport, talking about the future of the airport, looking at the future of Stockton, <clears throat> looking at what needs to be done in Atlantic City, you know, working on getting the traffic situation around the Shore Mall fixed, providing the best constituent services in the history of Atlantic County. I mean, everything we said we were going to do, we had done. And, you know, I really do hope voters recognize that. Uh, and. You know, if they do and they send all three of us back, uh, there's even better things to come. Because as you know, you know, I, we have developed, all three of us, Don Guardian, and Claire Swift and I have developed excellent relationships with, you know, our colleagues in the Assembly and the Senate, with the administration and with the governor himself and with his chief of staff and with the, everybody who, you know, is responsible for the state budget and responsible for getting things done uh, at their level in Trenton. And so the relationships we have built, you know, if we are able to secure another term, going to be even better for Atlanta County. We're going to do better things for Atlanta County. So really excited about the opportunity and, you know, thank everybody for sending me there in 2021 and really hope that they uh, recognize that we deserve another term in 2023. Important uh, question and very good answer. We'll be back. Senator Palestina continues. I want to throw out another question uh, in advance. This one's important also, uh, and I want to do it before we get into this windmill stuff and all the dead whales and dolphins and all this stuff that usually would have Democrats stopping uh, air circulation. I mean, we would stop. We would be told to stop breathing, stop breathing until we know if another tree frog has died, if a cockroach has died. But whales, all this, it's all good. No problem. I'm so suspicious of their motives here. It's so obvious that this is all about money and that they're completely exposed as frauds when it comes to not being the environmentalists, that they've been faking people out for all these years. I want to stomp that question when we come back. But before that, the issue of the anchor benefit, the anchor um, checks that are going to be coming, that's for renters. That's a, it, it is means tested. So some might get 1,000, uh, the homeowners. Some might get 1,500, depending if you make a certain amount of money or over a certain amount. But people definitely are wondering, because uh, it just seems like they keep extending when you can apply, when are these checks supposed to come in the mail? We'll see if the senator has an update on that. Much more with Senator Vince Palestina, 31 minutes past the hour on the Hurley of the Morning program. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And it's Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow right now on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. I had so much fun writing this. I hope you will enjoy reading it. The direct connection between Al Capone, the gangster, Nucky Johnson, the former Atlantic City crime boss, and the total Atlantic City connection here. Check it out. Bayfest will return to Summers Point. We have that exclusive provided yesterday to the program and movies that were either filmed in or that mention Atlantic City on the app. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. Severe weather in the deep south, significant snow north of Albany, New York. Here in South Jersey, we're looking at an inch plus of rain, 40 plus mile an hour wind gusts. The nastiest weather arrives tonight. Peaks of sun this morning, clouds with showers arriving this afternoon, high 46. Heavy rain and gusty winds tonight with a coastal flooding threat. Temperature rises to 54. Rain showers wrap up sometime tomorrow morning. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. It can be dangerous early in the morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. 
Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you. Welcome back. 37 minutes past the hour with Senator Palestina. So a couple of housekeeping items on this whole anchor program because the deadline was extended, extended, extended. Where do we stand uh, relative to that? Has the deadline ended? And that's that. Uh, and then when should people, if they're a renter and they did it, or if they're a couple that earns a certain amount of money, they get 1500 If they're uh, between like 200000 and a penny and two fifty, I think you get 1000 Uh So you're either going to get the rental, the rental benefit, I forget what it is, uh, and I do know that you can either get 1000 or 1500 depending on the income uh, that you've earned in the, I think it's in year 2000 isn't 19 or something, whatever it is, it's all in the paperwork that we did. Uh, where does all that stand, Senator? So unfortunately the deadline was February 28th, Harry. So it has passed. Um, you know, I think that they, they close it out. The check should be sent out in a couple months. Um, so, you know, beginning of May, you'll start to see checks go out. And like you said, if you're a homeowner, you know, a thousand or 1500, if you're a renter up to 450, uh, so hopefully everybody in May will get those checks. And, uh, you know, first time in history that renters have received uh, property tax rebates. You know, and it's the most property tax relief in the history of the state of New Jersey. And the governor announced the other day it is continued in this next year's budget. And so, you know, we started down the path of recognizing that property taxes are such a huge problem in New Jersey. And this is a start. Certainly, you know, hopefully not the finish because we got to do more with the with the property tax situation in New Jersey. But this is at least, you know, recognition of how regressive property taxes are and a recognition that we got to do something to help people. You know, if you want to start a family here, if you want to retire here, you can't have property taxes, which force people to make decisions not to be in New Jersey, which is what happens. And so, you know, happy that we supported it, happy to see the checks going out in a couple months. But we need to do a lot more on the property tax situation here in New Jersey. Senator Vince Palestino, on the issue of these windmills, I am at a loss. I get it. Don't get don't get me wrong. I can follow the money. I get it. But uh, regarding everything that we thought we knew, I mean, you can't run the gas, the, the natural gas pipeline off of the off of the parkway because the environmentalists, the Sierra Club, and all the usual suspects went absolutely bananas. They are all mutant animals now. They they cannot speak. They've lost their tongues uh, because these windmills have to be defended no matter what. Uh, all I hear the Republican side saying is, hey, we're not saying that it's causing this, but we've never seen this many dead whales wash up, and we'd like this to be embargoed or tabled you know, until such time that we know more. Uh, the other side, though, is just so incredibly uh, positive that it po- can't possibly be this. I- I've never seen anything like it, Senator. I haven't either, Harry. Uh, it is uh, it is so frightening what is going on uh, with our coast and, and with the ocean. Uh, you know, 24, 25 whales now, all the dolphins. Something is happening, and for... All these environmentalists who, if it were oil drilling out there, we would be strapping themselves to the barge to prevent anything from happening if one whale washed up. For them all to bury their head in the sand and to try to say there's no correlation 
It has a lot of us scratching our heads. And you know, I just, I, there is obviously with a lot of people, a lot of concern uh, about the, our government giving us accurate information and being transparent and being clear. And I think when you look at some of the reports now coming out of the Department of Energy, you know, related to the, to the leak of this virus from the Wuhan lab, they lied to us all of that time when yep. they said, no, it was not that. They just, and so when you have things like that going on, you know, where clearly we were lied to, they were not transparent, they didn't give us accurate information, and then you have situations like this where, you know, the only difference on our coast is this offshore uh, survey work, sonar work, and drilling related to offshore wind. That is the difference that is happening in that ocean, and all of a sudden we see something that has never happened in our history with all of these whales and dolphins dying and washing up it would seem to me and it would seem to a lot of people that that should lead to a conclusion that we need to take a deep breath and we need to do some investigation to try to figure out what is going on and for them not to take a pause and not to take a deep breath and just to continue to plow forward with this stuff despite what we are witnessing is unbelievably frightening to me and to a lot of people and i you know I know Congressman Van Drew is going to have a hearing this month. Yep. Uh, we have been all over it. Mayor Sarah has been a huge leader in, in this, to be a voice in this. They, this government, the federal government, they need to really take a look at what is happening here. And I have said many times, get those federal bureaucrats out of their offices in D.C. where they're sitting down there trying to tell us there's nothing to look at here. Hmm. Get their butts out of their offices. Come to Brigantine and come meet with us and show us how you can possibly say that there is no correlation, because it is not possible for them to say that, Harry. It just is not. I agree. So it shows that their agenda, I believe it's become a cult. Their cult, their religion of so-called green energy means that we we do all this incredible strip mining, we uh, all this dirty uh, stuff to get so-called clean energy. It's it's insane. And then we ignore, and you're you're so correct about that. If that would have been ocean drilling, oh my gosh, they would they would have had. It's just, it's and it, you use the right word. It is scary because their level of dishonesty on this. If we change this to oil drilling in the ocean, they would have been shut down immediately. DEP, every entity you can imagine would have shut it down immediately. But because they are all in on their changing America from the combustion engine and energy as we know it, oil, coal, you name it, natural gas. That's why they want to ban gas stoves. Did you ever believe you would live long enough to see this level of radicalism? Not at all, Harry. I mean, I remember growing up, everybody was saying, uh, you know, we're switching from electricity to natural gas. And this is just so disingenuous. And. You and I both. And by the way, they don't care. Uh, they're, they're, the um, one department is uh, investigating right now the harm of natural gas in our homes. And I don't put it past them to at some point ban them. And then, of course, every restaurant that we know will be out of business because you would not be able to afford the electric bill, whereas now they can. And everybody that knows anything that's even a remote foodie uh, knows that your chef's love the even cooking 
that takes place with natural gas versus electric. So not only don't they want it at the fundamental level of it doesn't make as good a product, and that's for cooking, that's for baking, that's for every imaginable item that they put on the table uh, at restaurants and so on, they they will do this kind of thing uh, in the name of their climate cult religion. It is crazy, and we've got to push back against it. We're going to push back against it, and that's what I was saying. This energy master plan, you know, the notion that we're going to we're going to electrify New Jersey by 2035 is just completely, totally unrealistic. It is not possible. There is absolutely no way. And when people start to see the cost of this stuff, there's going to be a huge pushback in New Jersey because not only is it not realistic, it is totally uh, going to drive up electric bills three times in some yeah. cases. And I, and I believe, Senator, and we'll talk about this more after on the other side of the break, I believe that it's about control. They want to be able to tell you at some point, hey, we're having rolling blackouts, brownouts. You um, you can't drive your cars. They've already done it in California. I mean, this is this is about control. They want to take your car from you and actually be able to tell you when you'll be able to drive. They don't have enough charging stations. They don't have enough of the product. Uh, who knows? I mean, these batteries that catch on fire and you can't fire departments can't put them out. They just continue to burn. They put them out and they restart and burn more. Uh, you see this stuff even on planes this week with some of these uh, lithium-type batteries that started a fire on, on a Spirit airplane. It's crazy. And it just what, – what I – the only saving grace to this, it proves what frauds and intellectually dishonest people they are because to pursue their agenda, they're willing to overlook everything – that they would never, never allow at any other point in time. So it's about control. It's about completely changing America into their vision of having total control of our lives, total control of our energy, total control of our food, you know, total control of our health care. And then you're left with needing them in order to make it. And that's what they want. They don't want what we want. And that is for us to be free for capitalism and people to be able to grow to the limits that they're capable, equal opportunity for all, but equal results are not guaranteed. That's why they're, they're doing away with grades and you can't be the valedictorian anymore because you might hurt somebody's feeling who's not. This is crazy what's going on. The sexualizing of our children. Oh, my gosh, don't get me started. It's incredible what's going on. Much more with Senator Vince Palestina right after this. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Try anything to raise the cost of precision jobs, I will veto it. <laughs> precision jobs is the new fiddlesticks. <laughs> Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Weekday afternoons at 1 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And we are back. I was just saying, uh, I can't believe how fast Senator Palestina's hour goes. Just like that, uh, I'm blaming you. You're too interesting, Senator. It's just, it's, uh, it, it, it just in the blink of an eye, we're done each each month. I want to recount. I want to <laughs> well, recount. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> it does go by quick. It's unbelievable. You think about uh, going on and talking uh, on a show for an hour, but it does fly by. It's like you blink and you're done. It's true. So let me, in the six, seven minutes that we have, 
give you the opportunity to talk about anything you want to talk about because you've been very, uh, you know, generous to take my questions, which I think were important for our listeners. The anchor rebate, this whole windmill thing. By the way, what? How is this going to end? Are they just? Is it just go pound sand, scratch your hiney, you're out? Uh, we say that it's not the windmills, and we're just all systems go. They're not stopping, right? This is just. They're just doing this, right? They are continuing on, Harry, and I think, uh, you know, as I said, it goes back to these incidental take authorizations where they have been granted these authorizations to disrupt marine mammal life. And so, you know, I think that there was a recognition when you hear some of the people uh, with these federal regulators uh, talk, there was a recognition that there was going to be an impact in some of these things. I don't think anybody thought we would see 25 whales and five dolphins washing up on our shores in a matter of two months or What's it been? December, January, February, three months. But, you know, they knew that there was going to be disruption with everything going on. When you're doing sonar in one of the lease areas, you're doing drilling in another lease area, clearly there is an impact that is occurring, and they're avoiding that area and uh, coming into other areas where they're potentially getting hit by ships or whatever's going on. But, again, it goes back to nobody knowing exactly what is happening, and they need to take a deep breath, and we need to try to work together to figure it out. But so far, no stoppage. They're continuing forward. Mm. I mean, this is all about their their so-called green agenda. I can't ignore the fact that there's massive dollars uh, involved in this, that that's got to be in the calculus you're an engineer. You get it. You know how you're building a windmill that's as tall as the Empire State Building. Some say, oh, no, it's not the Empire State Building. It's the Statue of Liberty. Either way, it's pretty damn high. And there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of these. We are talking eye-popping numbers. And then, of course, it, it fulfills their utopia, dystopian agenda of controlling our energy and re, just redoing the whole you know, way that we, um, we live. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So I can see why they're not stopping. They're, they're committed to this. They are. Um, but, you know, it's, again, it's unrealistic. So we'll see how things play out. You know, a lot of this stuff, and, and I've said this, is driven by, you know, the presidential primaries on either side. You know, what happened is Gavin Newsom in California, you know, potential Democratic candidate said 2035. And so Governor Murphy immediately has to react and say 2035. It's like a battle for the Democratic presidential primary. And unfortunately, that's driving policy to some extent now, which is it's just bad for the state of New Jersey. But we'll see how the whole presidential election plays out and Governor Murphy's prospects. Two and a half minutes left in your program, Senator, until we meet again. Uh, whatever comment you would like to close with, time is yours. So I just would like to uh, thank you again for the time. You know, it does go quick, but... Um, you know, hopefully we're launched the 2023 campaign. We're going to continue the efforts we started in 2021. Of course, Atlantic City, well lit, clean, safe. You know, the Atlantic City International Airport is huge. We are going to have a big focus on that this year when we do the groundbreaking for the second building at the Research Park. You know, Spirit, as you know, because you go to Florida once in a while, has cut back on the number of flights going even to Florida. So we don't have as much activity out of there. we got to get that turned around. we got to figure out ways where we can really enhance the airport. You know, our brother-in-law, Andrew, was just down there, of course, you know, Carolyn and him and Mary. You know, we travel quite a bit, too, and we got to figure out how can we get more flights either through Spirit or through other carriers yep. in the Atlantic City International Airport. As New York Gaming comes, we got to really figure out ways that the airport can be utilized better. And so between the research park, the airport, 
you know, some of our key development opportunities at Hamilton Mall, Shore Mall, Gardner's Basin, Bader Field. We got to work get complementary development here. Really focus on the airport. Really focus on bringing more people here. Ultimately, to benefit Atlantic City. So I think the future is bright for Atlantic County. We've got a great team, and really looking forward to getting going with this campaign and being given an opportunity to talk you know, about all the issues that we want to see get done here and hopefully having the voters respond and return us to Trenton. The music's playing, so we have to go. But next month, or I'm, I'm open anytime you want to do it. It doesn't have to be on your, um, you know, Palestina Associates Hour. Uh, I want to talk about this transportation because if the demand is there, they'll do the flights. You know, we've done subsidizing before and the subsidy runs out and the flight stops, whether it's to Atlanta or any of these other, you know, hubs. Uh, you're on to it, though. We, If we can create the demand, it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. I really believe that. I'd like to further that next time. And I appreciate the opportunity today, Senator, to spend this time with you. You as well, Harry. Thanks for the time and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. I know Don said he was coming on after me, so you get the yeah me, and then you get the your identical twin right after. It's me. it's, it's great, uh, back to back. It's like a treat. I, I agree. It's going to be great. Mental health break begins right now. He's Senator Palestina. I am your mayor of the morning. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is our weekly mandatory when I say mandatory, we make it mandatory that one hour I have these goals and I try to hit them. I've always been goal driven uh, my entire life. Uh, even I wanted to have a certain number of newspapers. If you want to th- think that sounds crazy. When Don and I were 11 and 12, I wanted to have a certain number of newspapers in my paper route. I've always been goal driven because I knew if I had a certain number of papers, I'd make a certain amount. I believed in good service, so I did well with tips, and then you did well at Christmas. And then, of course, I was very lucky. I turned to the left for about three blocks to do my paper route. Don turned to the right, and he went the other direction. So we each had routes very near our home. They tried to do that for you. You couldn't always get that, though, but we were very fortunate. Uh, Don was actually our paper boy. I was the paper boy of the next door which was the Stroyan Apartments and then the other apartment building and then Metzger and all the other buildings on that side, then across the street. Uh, I was very fortunate because I don't know how many paper boys age 11 and 12 actually got a $100 handshake from Senator Frank S. Uh, Hapfarley, and I got that two years. When I got it the first year, I thought about it all next year. I thought, oh, man, uh, Is that going to happen again? Because it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen at that age. Even my father, I couldn't wait for my father to get home. And I had it like open and holding it with two hands. I said, Dad, look at this. And he was like, where'd you get that? I mean, because that that was the most zeros that I ever saw on United States currency. 
I it was it looked like unreal. And then and and then I got it again. So I've always been goal driven, even even in those days. Uh, so I set these standards that we try to hit minimum of one hour of open forum a day, whenever possible two. Today it's going to be one, but a lot of days yesterday, for example, and other days it's two hours, but minimum of one, and then one hour a week. And I hear from a lot of people that that do enjoy it, no matter if we're talking music and memories or, you know, like I just mentioned my newspaper route from 50 years ago. It doesn't matter. Don put up a post about March 1st uh, reminiscing about our first day of outdoor track. That was the first day you could legally practice March 1st. It was always a very, very big day, first day of spring track. Uh, Don reminisced about that. That was very, very cool. One jackass wrote something stupid on it, but you can't legislate Kuth. But everybody embraced that beautifully, except one loser, uh, one jealous loser, some sicko, uh, that they always have an agenda because there was nothing. It was a beautiful post. So anyhow, why do I even accentuate the one lunatic lying loser? But because, uh, you know, liars lie about lying. That's what they do. And even if you post something beautiful that can't be touched, they find a way to try to sully it. Uh, So that's why typically on Friday in the nine o'clock hour, we do what I call an official early in the morning mental health break. None of that crap. None of the hot talk. No stress. No fuss. No muss. Just fun. And Don, even though we had to wake up incredibly early, so I, you know I've been waiting. You're you're slightly older, twin brother, uh, two minutes older. Uh, I've been waking up early in the morning for a long time. Oh yeah, you start those. You know it's amazing. I hear you talking about the, the press route. What a great experience that young people will never have again. You know, it's uh, the- it was a beautiful proving ground. We ran our own business. I mean, I, I wrote about it recently, and you and I talked about it uh, after I published that. We had to service the clients. We had to run the business. We had to collect the money. We had to reconcile the money with the, um, uh, with the district manager, who I can't believe 50 years later, I still remember, was Ralph Benskin. How could I possibly remember that, Don? Yeah, well, they were important days. You know, it's, it's interesting what stays with you. And he, he was a memorable guy. He was very good to us. He was, um, he was really good and managing young people and, you know, and encouraging and, and, you know, so here's what I was left with, you know, the, uh, you remember the orange card that was in the, the little, you know, the ringlet that carried all the, uh, your customers addresses. Well, you, you well know, I know the difference between the white card and the orange card, but do tell. Yeah. So, so any of the, any of the old press carriers out there can appreciate this, but when you stack them up, you know, we, we were selling insurance at 12 years of age. Yes. That's true. Two customers. <laughs> and, you know, and I was so proud because I my goal was to get half of my customers. And I had 85 papers, which was a lot of papers back then. You know, most routes were in the 60s. So I built mine up to 85. I was I set a goal of 100. But I just could never – there just weren't enough properties to get there. But, uh, but the insurance, I wanted to have half of my customers buy this insurance, which I still remember was 10 cents a week. Yeah, if I close my eyes, uh, I can't. I can't testify to this, but I don't believe my ring. And we had the metal ring, and these cards were long. 
uh, and you know, you could mark, you know, paid and all these things on them. They were it was, it was rudimentary, but it was very good, good way to do it. You know, there were no computers or anything then. Uh, I was nowhere near half. No way. I had orange cards in in my ring, but nowhere near half. Yeah, I think I was really lucky because I wound up in. Because of the route that I was selected for, I got the business district in Ventnor, and then just everybody cooperated and they bought it. I, you know, but I was really persistent because I would ask every week, and you know, uh, we of course took it for our house, and you know, I showed people I'm a customer too. You know, it was kind of funny. I had Sacramento Avenue, but the other side of the street, you were our paper boy, so I was not our paper boy, but I had the other half of Sacramento. Then I had Harvard, Cambridge, Cornwall, and Derby. And I had um, from Ventnor, I don't remember turning down Winchester. I, I will tell you, I, I developed a system because I had a couple of apartment buildings. And I, I speeded through that thing, dropping the newspapers at each door, running up the steps and dropping the newspaper, not making noise because it was early. And uh, so I, I, don't, I don't know if you had apartment buildings or not. But you did have all those commercial properties. And then other than like the Strohan apartments, which I would throw them from the street there, uh, the the next one, I don't know why I'm forgetting it, Cambridge Arms or whatever it was called. Um, I don't know why that sounds familiar, but it does. Uh, it was a pretty tall building. I remember it had three or four floors and a lot of newspapers uh, in there. I'd have to run them in there, though. I obviously parked the bike. And first year, we actually delivered them with hand carts. Then we got the bike, which was awesome, in the basket for year two. I think you'll admit, Don, when we upgraded from that that hand cart uh, with two wheels, didn't even have four wheels, uh, two wheels and that thing, to the bicycle, the the amount of time it took to deliver the papers on our paper route dramatically improved. Oh, it was such such a difference, Harry. I mean, it was the uh, hang on. I got to get off this. Uh, let me get off this speaker. Huh? There we go. Yeah, it was such a difference. But see, mine was very difficult because I had that whole business district in center, that sixty five hundred block. You know, which began with you know uh, the drugstore and JoJo's Pizza. Yep. And so that was difficult because all those apartments, I had to get off the bike and you know do both sides of the street for several blocks. And throw the papers up steps and get them by the doors. And so, yeah, mine was a difficult route, actually. And it was a big one, too. It was an unusually big one. But you have the experience you just never forget because it just talk about, you know, life lessons and establishing good work habits. And, you know, you think about it for years, Harry. I remember how many years, we, three years we did it? I, I, I remember two. I don't remember three. Okay, I'm, I thought it was about three. Maybe it was just three holiday seasons we went through. You know, that yeah. can happen in two years. Yeah, I'm going to say that's very, very possible. We were within three years on the calendar, but I think it was about two years for some reason. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't fight you if you said it was three. I just don't remember it being quite three, but it was more than two, less than three, something something like that. And uh, did we, we, I guess we continued to do it right until just about high school, maybe. Well, after the paper route, we then delivered for Delaware uh, Meat Market. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think we did it for the, for the two years when we were we were very young. Yeah, that was a great job, too, you know, because uh, I got to work through the, the, the craft era into the DeLuca era, yes. era. And I stayed for quite a while. I stayed all through high school. And, you know, you talk about a job that keeps you in shape, that working at that market 
because it involved everything. We were also the delivery too, besides stocking the shelves and, you know, keeping it clean and, you know, all that was required there. But, uh, you know, delivering from Atlantic City to Longport were, was the route. And if you, if you recall, if anybody can remember those humongous Schwinn bikes, I mean, I hit a few cars with this. I put dents in cars. Oh, uh, this bike know. was a monster. It was a monstrosity. And you, you just touched on what my my biggest nightmare in the Delaware meat market delivery days. And I remember delivering more than any other function that we were responsible for. You swept up and you stocked the shelves, but delivery was nonstop. And I remember going from Ventnor Avenue in Ventnor to Longport and one item was missing. So you know what that meant, Oh, yeah, right? you had to come back. That meant you pedaled that bike all the way back to Ventnor and then got the one item and went all the way back to Longport, demoralizing. Yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, I'll tell you, one of the most challenging things, like, it's so funny how you reminisce about stuff like this, but if everybody remembers Eddie Lex, the great pitcher from Ventnor, Atlantic City High School, legendary pitcher, he's in everybody's Hall of Fame. And, well, his father worked at, he, he ran the gate at the 5,000 boardwalk which was in Ventnor, you know, in the 5,000 block, of course. But it was called, known as the 5,000 boardwalk. Well, there was this humongous ramp, and you could only get up it by keeping full speed going, and he had to hit the gate at just the right moment <laughs> so that you could get in. It was it was such a great – so I would yell ahead, you know, to Mr. Lex, and I'm, I'm coming up, you know, and, and he would get the, – the gate would just come up, and we would – it was great, you know. Right, because when that basket was loaded, the bike by itself, and we were very small – I don't. I don't even think we weighed 130 pounds. Much probably much lighter than that even. And that bike was heavy by itself. When you had it filled with um, the groceries and things, you had everything. You had heavy meat, uh, the big heavy bottles of like dish detergent and laundry detergent, and all these heavy things, uh, pet food, all kinds of stuff. Those baskets. That bike was really heavy to operate uh much more straight ahead and uh i'm sure don has some topics that he's going to want to share it it shows you though uh it's an organic mental health break hour where we just don't even plan just stuff comes up and we chat about it uh it's a lot of fun we'll be right back oh oh i know i feel like um hunts hall from the bowery boys oh 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 uh i want to talk about a reunion I want to talk about a photograph that the last time these two people had a photograph taken was 1997. I'm guessing maybe May, if I had to guess, May of 1997-ish. This happened last night. And it fits in beautifully with the official Hurley in the Morning mental health break. With Don, I am his two-minute older identical twin brother. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM, 1450 AM. South Jersey's talk station. Thank you very much. Great one. Uh, This is Hurley in the morning. I should say Hurley's in the morning. We'll get back to Don in just a moment. This portion of our program also brought to us by Ambient Comfort Heating and Cooling Professionals. And my friends right now 
are offering something that if you are in need of this type of um, equipment at this time, as your furnace and air conditioner age, they become less efficient. They cost you more money to operate, obviously, and they create a higher risk for expensive repairs. Ambient Comfort has a new program that gives you a new high-energy efficiency furnace and air conditioner installed with no interest and no payments for 12 months. So if you need it now, but you need a little bit of a cushion, you get 12 free months. It's a terrific idea. And if you're able to pay the thing off during the 12 months, then it's interest-free and you can spread it out over 12 even payments. Or you would not have to make a payment for 12 months and then you begin your payments uh, at that point. So it's a really great idea. You can have your Elite or Signature system installed. And if you do so by March 31st, you'll get 10 years parts and labor at no additional cost. This is truly an amazing offer. No payments or interest for a year for qualified customers and 10 years free parts and labor on your new heating and air conditioning systems. Enjoy the comfort of knowing that your home will be comfortable in the cold and warm weather for many years to come. With no extra expense for details about this and to get your system installed before March 31st, call my friends at Ambient Comfort at 609-568-0955. That's 609-568-0955 or visit Ambient comfortnj.com when comfort matters choose ambient comfort the official and exclusive provider for the hurley in the morning program brother don hurley in a hurley in the morning official mental health break uh month so last evening and this this still qualifies as um good news lighthearted, fun none, none none of the hot talk or you know nasty stuff negative stuff that's going on a photograph that is now in my possession was taken between a man named Gormley and a man named Hurley. The two of you, the first photograph of the two of you since 1997. How was that? How, what was that like? That, that is correct. You know, it was great. It was just great. It was first off, it was a great event. It was one of those really high energy type of events and, uh, and I was so happy because I, ha- I hadn't seen the senator in so long, and he wanted to take a photo, which I was really happy about because I I had joked that you know you realize that you know you and I haven't taken a photo together since 1997. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, but this is this is a happy photo." <laughs> yeah, that's funny. See, see, so, this is what I like about this. See, see, you were the combatant, if you will, uh, and I I liken this to like prize fighters. Uh, Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed, you know, they'd hug it up. A lot of respect. When you go into the arena and you do battle, there is respect for that. And for those who don't remember 1997, in the winter and spring of 1997, probably one of the fiercest, I'll say it, it was negative. It It was tough. It was tough stuff. One of the toughest campaigns in Atlanta County history took place. And it was the primary election for New Jersey State Senator incumbent Bill Gormley, challenger Don Hurley, uh, in an election, in a race that people still talk about. Uh, Of course, Senator Gormley won. The the history is clear on that. Uh, But he knew that he was in a a race and, and, and 
that that is not denied either. And then, you know, you get to the point where I wrote a column a number of years ago uh, about my relationship with the senator before, during and after that primary election. Uh, And it was it was really uh, the word gets overused, but it was a very cathartic uh, exercise for me. It was like a cleansing. I got to say everything I wanted to say many, many years. I think I did it on the 20th or so anniversary of your run against him. I guess if we did quick math, uh, I can't believe it. But Don, in like less than four years, it would be 30 years ago that that took place. So you're talking like nearly half a lifetime ago. But the race was very, very um, hard fought and spirited. I'm trying to be in mental health break uh hours kind as I can be about all of it. It was tough and all of that. But at the end, and I haven't heard anybody ever say that differently to this. And I'm not talking about these campaigns like like they ran against Kirk Conover and Vince Palestina, you know, taking oxygen out of people's noses and stuff like that. Nothing like that. This was just tough stuff, old school, tough stuff. But there's respect after that. Ultimately, isn't there, Don? Oh, there's no question. You know, and you, well, you really hit it on the head, Harry. It is, if you can imagine, you know, a, a prize fight boxing, which he and I also did. You know, we both were fighters, too. And so, you, you know what it comes down to? I think if you can, who was it? I think it was Jimmy Hoffa. You can, you can fight with, you can roll around in the street and fight with somebody uh, as long as you don't slight them. You know, if you have a tough fight with somebody, you can get over that, you know, and, and you don't take cheap shots. Um, you don't get personal because, and the thing, you know, and that was a really, uh, it got national attention, Harry. It was really crazy. And you remember how that, that, that campaign really caught on it, it, much more than, than I ever expected. I didn't expect, you know, to receive national attention in a local race, but there was a lot of issues, Harry, you know, there were a lot of things going on at that time. And it was funny because, you know, and I always said it, Bill Gormley and I, we agreed on so many things, you know, uh, and when I look back in retrospect, most things actually. So when, you, you know, you have a, a, a rough and tumble fight and then it's over, you know, you, you can shake hands. I mean, it, it happens all the time. You see yeah, on- when you do it the right way and there's respect and he, you showed respect and he showed respect. And I do remember this uh, and I'm not talking out of school. This, this is this is out there in public consumption. When it was time for this feud to be over, the, the Gormley and Hurley feud, and, and, it, and it had to go through the four stages almost of life. It had to die and be buried. And I'll never forget, I won't say where we were because I want to I protect the innocent, but we were at, we'll say we were in Switzerland. We were at a neutral home, and it's Bill Gormley and Harry Hurley and Jerry Gormley and Don Hurley. And I don't think it was rigged to be like this, but we were sort of kind of because it's a very big mansion that we were in. We're in different sections, but we were on the same floor and in the same area. So I never forgot this. Bill and I are talking and you and we hadn't talked in so long. And you and Jerry are talking, uh, the late, great Jerry Gormley, who we love. Uh, And I'm so happy that we were able to put all of this away forever uh, because I would have never wanted it to end like this, you know, with with us being enemies uh, and and frenemies or whatever, whatever you want to call it. It was ugly. Uh, But I hear Jerry say, come on, Don, we're all Irishmen. What are we fighting for? Now, you tell me you, you will never forget that. 
that I will never oh, forget. No, it's, that. It is unforgettable, especially with St. Patrick's Day so yes. close, you know. Uh, what are we doing? It, it was so great. All, you know, it, it was time, you know, it was, yeah, it was time to, to, you know, to make things right. And there was so much good work to be done, too. And that's really, in the end, and I was always mindful, our father always said, you, you never, don't fight in a burning building, you know, you get everybody out. You don't fight when the house is on fire, you know, and you live to fight another day. But the uh, it was time to get things done. And, and at that time, when I look back, you know, you know, Bill Gormley was the chairman of judiciary. Republicans were in the majority. There were so many great opportunities to get things done. You know, for yeah, the in, in retrospect, and we're a lot older now. I mean, we weren't babies then, but, you know, we're in our 30s and, you know, a lot more life experience now. It was the worst possible time to be fighting because the senator had the maximum amount of authority uh, it, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. His position alone commands, you know, authority and power uh, and respect. And then, of course, chairman of judiciary and, you know, navigating what I've come to really appreciate, protecting Atlantic City every time there was an encroachment and all these good things. Kirk uh, wrote in a little bit ago, Don, Kirk Conover, and he is it's, the way my mind works. You're a little better at remembering certain things. What I'm pretty good at is you give me one sentence and all of a sudden I remember the whole thing all over again. Uh, and Kirk wrote me, and I know you do remember this because you, 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 you don't forget anything. Does Don remember the Galloway GOP meeting at Seaview? Half the club quit and walked out, leaving me, meaning Kirk, to run the meeting and allowing Don to speak. This is how hard uh, fought this was. They, they didn't even want to let you speak, and half their club quit because you were going to be able to speak. No doubt you remember that, correct? Crazy. I remember it very well. And it was funny because, you know, I, I, and I was friends with everybody. I mean, you know, and so I got there and I remember half the, uh, half the group walked out. I remember saying, uh, should I walk out with them? I don't know. Really, I'm, I'm a little perplexed right now. And Kirk was always the gentleman. He said, no, no, you came here to speak and you're going to speak. And of, of course we did. And it, it was great because, you know what, I'll, I'll never forget um, – the uh, because it started out so nasty, and I did not know the woman, but I I, I knew her to see her, and I, I I still see her every once in a while. We laugh about it, but you know it was very you know it was very politically charged, and uh, you know I came to to give my message, and so but it, it, it just there was so much tension in the room, Harry, as Kirk would remember, and this woman stood up, didn't even give me a chance, and she said, um, and it was mostly women that were left behind, all the men left. And I don't know what if that means anything or not, but it just was mostly women. And I think in particular, the mother's club was there. So and I had no way of, you know, preparing for this. But this woman stood up. She was angry and, you know, red faced and said, hey, Mr. Hurley, OK, you're a policeman and you're, you're heroic. And what's what's the best thing you ever what's what's the best thing you've ever done? And Harry, I'm just on the fly. I I've never forget this. I said, I'm a really good father. And you could the the. The, the audience just exhaled. It was like all the tension was gone. You know, I guess they expected some, you know, war story or something. Some political answer that you, that's not what you were about. The, um, the, there was something I wanted to say about the, the, the half who walked out. Yeah, it is this. I don't, I don't respect that. I don't appreciate that. But I do understand it because people were being put in a position where you have to choose. And even allowing you to choose, allowing you to speak could be perceived as disloyal 
to the senator. So it, it that's why that type of intra, not inter, intra party type battle is so it's tough on people because it makes people have to make decisions they don't want to have to make. Uh, people that always liked Gormley and always liked Hurley suddenly got to hate Hurley or hate Gormley. But I know your campaign wasn't about you don't want anybody to hate anybody. And he didn't really want anybody to hate anybody. But that's what it does, though. It makes people have to choose. And that's uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think what resulted, I think what resulted out of that, and Kirk would remember this, I think, much better. I think they wound up with two clubs for quite a while. They wound up being two clubs. You know, um, yeah, they split. They fractured that night. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, over that. You know, over. Hey, look, and we've seen a lot of that. Uh, Egg Harbor Township had Egg Harbor Township regular Republicans, and then Sonny and a bunch of Republicans they split off and became the uh, United Egg Harbor Township Republican Club, which is still the prevailing majority Republican Party all these years later. And they ran candidates at the um, in the primary, and and they won. They won the majority. Uh, it's like what happened in Atlantic City, where the, the de- Democratic committee uh, over different periods of time goes one way or the other. And uh, so what I think is really cool, and I want to get the break in, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll talk about this for one more minute after the break. Uh, I, I love when I witness something completely, utterly close the circle. Two smiling men who 26 years ago uh, ran one of the most – um, aggressive. Uh, I don't want to just say nasty because it was really more, more hard, hard fought than it was nasty. I mean, you did get compared to Donald Trump or something that was like considered an insult. I thought that was kind of funny. And you were like a union boss and this kind of thing. But I mean, it was really more just bare knuckle, hard fought in your face kind of stuff, as opposed to, um, some of these other things that, that I'm not going to get into because it would violate the mental health break uh, doctrine. Uh, it wasn't that, it, but it was extremely. It was a stressful, extremely um, difficult, challenging period that still, even up north, uh, when they write articles about the great feuds of all time, it's Gormley's and they make it plural and Hurley's and they make it plural. Then they, they, they tie in and the ones on the radio and, and, and they add all these elements and layers to it all uh, that you don't always see. You know, identical twins and, and the whole deal, the brothers, you know, Gormley and so on and so forth. Uh, so it was um, they say, may you live in interesting times. Chinese proverb. That was a very interesting time. So we'll have you, let you have a closing comment on the other side. But I was just happy last night. You know, Bill and I, we buried the hatchet years and years and years ago. Uh, I wrote basically he didn't ask for it. It wasn't like you got to do a mea culpa or we can't talk or anything ever again. But I did it on my own. I wrote uh, basically an apology column because I, I was not proud of, you know, some of my on-air commentary, not only during that campaign, but for years that followed. This thing didn't end. Uh you know, and, and even uh, people can look it up. It's in the press of Atlantic City archives. I saw it last night, as a matter of fact. Um, but uh, I'm just happy where it is now. Uh, and um, I loved having the photo texted to me last night. It was just like the epilogue. Like, look at these two guys. 
that ran against each other almost 30 years ago and really gave it to each other. And it, it was kind of like Rocky Balboa and, and Apollo Creed. And uh, I'm going to say Gormley gets to be Rocky. Don gets to be Apollo Creed in, the, in, in Rocky uh, Part II. Uh, a, a real 15-round heavyweight slug out. I mean, it was really epic uh, and, and uh, voluminously covered, even featured in War at the Shore, the book by Bronson, and in countless newspaper articles and commentary around the state. And even to this day, uh, I get things sent to me once in a while that have the list of the great feuds of New Jersey history, and it's in there. It, you know, it's it's, it's got to be. It was epic. We'll be back. Brother Don continues. After this word from my very good friend, Brian Kilmeade, who will be our guest of honor and keynote speaker at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City in the famed iconic Ocean Ballroom on Friday, September 29th. I tell you, I can't wait. A lot of big things. We've got talkers coming up in June. We have our 16th annual golf tournament, charity golf tournament coming up in June. We've got the annual charity dinner coming up on September 29th at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City. Can't wait for that. Uh, a lot happening. We're going to make it, got to do it, got to make it a great 2023. We've got to do everything we can. Brian Kilmeade here. Coming up on the Friday edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show, I can't wait. Jim Jordan will be here. He'll bring us inside the explosive testimony on Capitol Hill this week. The great Admiral James Stravitas on the anniversary of Russia invasion of Ukraine and so much more. Barnes & Noble CEO James Daunt will be here to explain how he managed to save the brick-and-mortar bookstore in the age of electronics. Don't miss a minute on the Brian Kilmeade Show Friday edition. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. Thank you all because of you. We know it and we thank you. Brother Don Hurley joining us. My last comment on this, and I'll give you a quick comment because then I want to talk about some fun stuff, some music, memories, whatever you want to talk about, because we didn't even know this was even going to come up, let alone uh, dominate the conversation. Uh, I have learned and confirmed, and you probably know this because you're in the, in the photograph. I'm not. Uh, Assemblywoman Claire Swift is the photographer of this uh, reunion photo. That is correct, Harry. And it was funny how it all came down. But, you know, the senator said, we've got to take a picture. And I was very happy to do it. And, you know, I joked that it's been so long, you know. And <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you something. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school. It's just my own observation. It's not like the senator told me this. The senator has not been to a Republican event in at least a decade that I'm aware of because I always interview people that are there and some of the things I'm at myself. Uh, and I know that he's I don't want to say fussy, but he's particular about who he will take a photograph with. So he wanted to do that, which is a very, um, a very nice thing, a very positive very thing. Happy to do it. And as and Assemblywoman Swift, Swift took my camera and took a great photo, which I'm really, really happy with. It's, it's, um, it, you know, it, it really does, like you said, it, it brought everything full circle, you know, because, you know, Bill and I, we've been getting along for many, many years now, but we hadn't seen each other in a long time. I think 
for me, it's at least since the pandemic hit. And so that was a, quite a surprise, him being there. And it was just, it really was, I can't even communicate it hardly. I posted, I said to the senator, I said, do you mind if I send this to my brother? I said, I'm so happy that we, we took this photo together. I really, really can't express it uh, enough. And it did, it did, like you say, it, it brought everything together. And, you know, we, we were talking about some really important issues you know, facing that, you know, the district and the country, really. What a just a, a volatile time this is, you know. Yeah, no question. All right, we'll talk about that another day. Uh, let me turn it over to you now. Uh, let's talk about something else. Topic's yours. Had on my mind, Harry. April 22nd. April 22nd. At, I know you're fond. You become very fond of the Gateway Theater. But the, uh, the, the Summers Point Historical Society, Tony Martz presents with the great Carmen and Nancy Murata. Uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of Eddie and the Cruisers. And you know it's a very special project for me, Harry. I was there, you know, in the beginning when they filmed the movie. Uh, I didn't, didn't get in the movie, and that's that's a, a story for <laughs> another day. But I was on the outside looking in, and it, it's a, just a very special project. On, and on the 22nd, and this will prob- probably be for the first time in 40 years, uh, Eddie and the Cruisers, the film, will play on the big screen at the historic Gateway Theater in Summers Point. I can't so, wait. Did you, by the way, I think you said a month. Did you say a date? Is there a date established? Oh, yeah, there's a date. April the 22nd, Harry. April 22nd. Oh, I can't. Uh, what day of the week is that? In front of me, which, oh, okay, I'll tell you. Um, I'll tell you. Hold on. I got okay. it. April 22nd. Gosh, be here before you know it. Uh, that's a Saturday. Yeah, it's a very, very in- intimate, you know it well, intimate theater with a great, you know, stage area, and there's going to be, you know, a huge movie screen. So uh, what, a, what a treat, because I, I think I'm one of the few people that actually saw it in the theaters, you know, because I was so connected to the, to the project, because it was only out in the theaters for a few weeks, Harry. They, it's unfortunate, because it, it's a great movie, and it just was released at the wrong time of the year. They, they released it after the summer when all the kids went back to college. And it just, the timing was just off. It was unfortunate because it was a, that was a summer movie, you know? Yeah. I just wrote in my book, I have two months at a glance in my daytimer. So I am putting in my book right now. I've got, you know, I have to be here for this. I've got to be there. I can't oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Well, you can pick your seats. Um, and, wait, and wait, before, wait. You say you can pick your seats. You, they'll have a, a way to buy them online, and then you actually buy the seat that you can get at that time. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you there. I'm gonna try to find how I did it. I've, I I reserved my seats, and I did it sort of with the mind. You know, you don't want to be in my mind too close. You know, you, you ever get stuck? I remember we saw Greece, the movie. We had to go back. Uh, I'm just going to tell you up we front, front Gate- yeah, Gateway's not like that. You can be close. But for a, for a stage production versus a movie, I hear what you're saying. It's, it's for a movie, though. Yeah, you it wanna, is. You yeah, get it the is, depth yeah, there. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, it is better to be back a little bit. Well, that that's um, but, that's exciting. But before that, there'll be a, a presentation. Uh, there'll be very special guests there. Uh, Michael Toons and Toons, one of the stars in the movie, one of the legendary sax players in history uh, with John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. He will be there performing. Uh, David Patrick Wilson will be there. He was the drummer. Kenny Hopkins in the movie Eddie and the Cruisers. He will be a special guest. And, and Billy Walton's going to knock it out of the park, as he always does. So they're going to do, do a live show before the movie. And your ticket that you have will seat you there for that show as well? Yes, fantastic so yeah. i'm gonna find this way how i did it i have 
got a receipt somewhere. Um, but it's the Gateway Theater. You go to their website. Yeah, I'm, and, go, I'm going there now. Yeah, it might be gate, gatewaytheater.com. I got it in my phone. Org. I'm not sure which. And, and you'll see there's and the, all the shows that are coming up in the next uh, few months. There's, there's a, a live show before that, too, as well. But this is, you'll see the, the 40th anniversary of Eddie and the Cruisers presented by the Historical Society of Summers Point. Tony Martz presents. And you can pick your seat. It's really a user-friendly site. Hey, and, they're, they're, uh, hey Don, they're having Jersey Boys. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great, Harry, yeah. Oh, man. Where have I been? Yeah, I've tremendous. been Oh, gosh, this is incredible. That's even, that's the week before. And I've, I've been to many, many shows there, as you have, Harry. I think it holds about 200 people, so it's it's a very intimate, you know, no matter where you are, it's, it's going to be a great, great view. And just a beautiful setting for a show. And I've never seen a movie there, so I'm really excited to do that. This was always, you remember, Harry, this was always my dream. I wanted to get the rights to the film again because it hadn't been shown in theaters. And I wanted to bring the band, do a show, and they're doing it in Summer's Point. I'm very happy about it. I wonder if the screen if the screen is towards the back of the stage or the front of the stage. That matters in terms of where I would pick. Yeah, I picked the fifth row. Yes, I, 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 there's still a few few open seats there. I I chose center in the fifth row just to give some depth, and I want to be because I, I want to enjoy the, the stage show too. You know, the live show with Billy Walton and Tunes and and David Wilson. It's going to be great. I'm hoping David plays. He's a drummer, Harry. He plays, you know, for real. You know, he, he he wasn't just an actor in the film. He can play the drums. Outstanding. Let's get the last break in. We're going to be right back. Please don't go away. Uh, one more power segment straight ahead with Don. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Now, I've told you about how Relief Factor helped me with my aches and pains. Let me tell you about Haven in Texas. Haven writes, I'm taking Relief Factor from my shoulder and lower back, and it works. No more pain. My husband started taking Relief Factor for his upper back and hip and didn't think it was working until he ran out and realized the pain was coming back. Relief Factor just works. We are so happy it's working for you and your husband like it does for thousands of others across America. Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free solution developed by doctors to help your body attack the underlying inflammation causing pain. What activity would you like to be doing again? Your first step to becoming pain-free could just be to order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. After trying Relief Factor, over a half a million people have gone on to order more. Go to relieffactor.com. Or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's 800-4-RELIEF. Live your best life and feel the difference with Relief Factor. Hi, it's Markley and Van Camp. Join us later today at 1. Now back to Hurley in the Morning on WPG, Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. We are back. It's 55 minutes past the hour on the Hurley in the Morning program. You've tuned into WPG Talk Radio 95.5 because of you, South Jersey's. Number one news talk radio station. Don, we're going to continue. Uh, the time is yours. Hey, let's because uh, I want to give the right information, Harry. It's it, this is a really great site. It's gatewaybythebay.org. Yeah. I've been on gatewaybythebay.org. So, you, for your listeners, Harry, they'll be able to navigate right through it all the shows, pick your own seat, uh, how you want to get your tickets, uh, 
I left mine at the theater. I'll just get them when I get there. But uh, and like you said, some great things coming here. I, I wasn't I wasn't in tune with this. This Jersey Beach Boys is very interesting, Harry. It's a, it's a whole a melding of the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons and the Beach Boys into like a complete musical experience as if they had melded together. So that's going to be a very interesting show. And that's on April 15th, the week before the 40th anniversary of Eddie and the Cruisers right there at the Gateway Theater. So, you know, Kirk Garrity, all these guys at the Summers Point Historical Society, the Gateway Theater themselves, Carmen and Nancy Murata, two of the greatest show people ever, you know, bring more shows than anybody in, in this region. Uh, they, they've got some great things happening. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. What so else is on that? Out. Yeah. That's, 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 this this uh, Eddie and the Cruisers thing is very special. And I've got a whole radio special I'm going to be putting together in, in honor of the 40th anniversary. I just re-interviewed John Cafferty. Uh, for this this new special that I put together. And we've got everybody, Harry. I've got, you know, the author that, that started the whole thing, Eddie and the Cruisers, a guy, very interesting man, Harry. He's a professor, um, still teaching after many, many years, into 50 years of teaching. But he used to come down to the Jersey Shore, and uh, in particular, he, he was working at the Vineland Journal newspaper. And this whole idea, this whole thing, and that's where, if you notice... In parts of Eddie the Cruiser, they're in Vineland. You know, they oh, mention yeah. Vineland. They're in Vineland where, you know, that, that Tom Berenger, the Wordman character, is teaching at a high school, and he called it Vineland. <laughs> so, uh, but T.F. Klug, who is the writer of Eddie the Cruiser, sorry, he's going to be a part of the show. And I've, I've interviewed uh, Toons, of course, Mike Toons and Toons. I've interviewed uh, Helen Schneider, is a superstar in Europe now where she lives in Germany these days. She, it was a great interview we had. And in fact, she told me that she speaks fluent German and, and she hadn't done an interview in English. And she was nervous, actually. It had been so long since she had interviewed in, with the English language, you know. But she's become a superstar as a singer in uh, Europe. So uh, she's a part of the show. Uh, I interviewed... Uh, uh, Sal Amato, of course, Harry, who is, uh, it's funny, he's a twin also. His brother Mitchell and Matthew Lawrence. Matthew Lawrence played Sal Amato. He, he, he got a kick out of us because you and I were twins. Yeah. And when we interviewed him, uh, he's coming back for the show. So we're going to do a whole 40th anniversary uh, in advance of this special uh, uh, reunion in Summers Point. So what, what better place, too, than right there where it all happened on Bay Avenue? Yeah. And I really, uh, Harry, I really encourage your, your, your listeners enjoy Bay Avenue. If you don't take the opportunity very often, there's, there's so many great venues, so many great restaurants, the, the view. I just, I, I, I've become, and I've always enjoyed Bay Avenue, but just, uh, you know, a lover of that, that area. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just a, a jewel. It's just a beautiful piece of property with, uh, some historic, uh, opportunities, venues. Great, great. You'll be able to, this, this spring, they'll, they'll open up the, uh, the, the clam bar for one more season, Harry, that's one of the iconic spots. And they fortunately got one more season out of it before whatever happens there. But, you know, always something nice, always something good to eat, you know, someplace nice to, uh, to meet with people. And, and of course those great live shows every Friday night for the, the entire summer, you know, for, right on that little amphitheater, you know, I'm a little hard to get out sometimes, but you convinced me and there was these acts that I just really wanted to see john cafferty and beaver brown band so we then started coming every week with you after that that is 
if we could oppress upon people, and it's not even like they need the push, they're, 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 it was packed. Uh, but that is a wonderful uh, entertainment to, to, to just enjoy on the beach. Oh, yeah. It is just fantastic. It's free, it's free, free for everybody because they, they work so hard to you yeah. know, bring in all the shows about to sponsor them. And yeah, so it's free entertainment. I mean, where are you going to get that? And, and, and really just a delightful atmosphere. You know, I don't know what, if, if anything, there's never bugs, Harry, you know, if people think about being close to the Bay, there's never bugs. It just doesn't happen. It just, I can't explain it, but, uh, you know, I go every week for many, many years. Uh, you know, the tide usually cooperates for the most part. And I mean, it's never a situation where it floods the beach, but you know, uh, that's generally never a problem. And you know, Carmen and Nancy Murata bring some really great A-list talent, you know, and I haven't seen the lineup yet for this, this summer, but they've been working on it since last year. So it'll be great. Um, hey, Harry, something else I wanted to touch on. Uh, Mickey Dolenz, who's become a good friend through the years. Uh, he's still celebrating the monkeys, Harry, and he's cut before all this happens in April, he'll be at ovation, Harry ovation hall, which is one of the greatest entertainment venues uh, anywhere, let alone Atlantic City. It is built for music. Uh, you know, when Revel built that, that, that's one thing they did right was that showroom. Oh. And Mickey Dolenz on April 7th, Harry, uh, is going to celebrate the Monkees and in particular highlight that great album, Headquarters, which, um, you know, was sort of their answer. You know, they they finally, the Monkees wanted to um, cut the strings. You know, they, they wanted to produce their own album, play on, you know, because they all were players. They all very good instrumentalists, you know, and up, up till that point, you know, they had the greatest musicians in music, Glenn Campbell and the whole wrecking crew playing for them. But this one album and, and thereafter, uh, with headquarters, they played their own music. They wrote the songs. It's a really fine album. And he'll highlight that as well with all the classic, uh, hits from the monkeys. So Mickey's still going strong, Harry. I saw him on, uh, Jimmy Fallon the other night, just, just great. I mean, it, it, and he's, you know, he's the sole surviving monkey. And it's just, you know, uh, what a story when you think about, you know, something that, you know, they, they created sort of, I don't want to say it's a spoof, but the fact that these four guys who were so hugely talented got plucked out of, you know, a huge audition with the exception of Davy Jones, by the way, Harry, he had the gig, you know, they knew him. He was already, and like a known quantity at that time, having played Broadway and theater. And so he was, he had the gig, but you know, it's really amazing the way it all, these guys came together. And what is, I think Mickey says that, um, Pinocchio became a real boy. It, it, it all, it all worked. So it's a pretty cool story. And 50 years of the monkey, Harry. I mean, how crazy is that? Probably closer to 60 now. It is amazing. Well, I remember inter interviewing, you would call him David, uh, which is kind of cool when I would hear you do that. When I interviewed Davy Jones and he was talking about monkey tapes in the jungles of Vietnam. Who could imagine monkey tapes? I mean, he they're amazed at how far this, you know, went around the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, think, you know, this was really the answer to a hard day's night. This was the American yeah. answer to the Beatles. And, you know, they called them the prefab for. <laughs> I like that. So uh, it, it just but it, it all worked, you know, and, and you think it, it was kind of interesting because I think they tried to break away from it, but it just wouldn't stop. You know, people just kept demanding this music and they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Harry, they've got records and 
you know, I mean, so many millions of records sold and it's, you gotta, the music is good, whether, you know, because you think back then, Harry, virtually no one was playing all their own music. Everybody had the wrecking crew. Nobody held it against anybody else, you know, but they held it against these guys because, you know, they came by way of a television show, you know, so it's interesting. It was a, it was a TV show about a band struggling that became a real band. Yep. And that's the way it worked. And so I'm just really fond. Of, I just love the whole monkeys uh, project. I think, you know, underrated, you know, very well appreciated though, but I think underrated in terms of Mike Nesmith, for instance, tremendous songwriter, yes. great guitar player, you know, Peter Tork, you know, virtuoso, um, Mickey Dolenz could sing with anybody. One of the greatest pop singers of the last 60 years. Without a doubt, I think, you know, anybody being honest, you know, for sheer voice, power, his tone, he's still great. You know, Davy Jones, so talented, multi-talented, great actor, you know. I think, you know, it's funny, I did it probably more with David than I did the rest of them because I knew him so well. But he would love to have been a serious actor, you know. I think if anybody gets what they really want, you know, but... Of course, he had this thing that was just so powerful, this monkey's thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, it just, it, it just, just did it all. Machine. But he, as you know, you went to them. He did a lot of the shows uh, out there over the years. The music says we have to go. Kilmeade uh, says he wants to uh, stay. So thanks for a great hour. Loved it all. <laughs> great great to be with you, Harry. Yep. You and your, your great audience. Great, great always, history, always. Don, was uh, made last night.